What's up, everybody? I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Cinema Parlor? I can't talk. Enunciate. Uh, yes, let me try. Oh, you know, we haven't said anyone. So, uh, in today's episode, we're going to be doing our best of the decade and a, a very nice special episode for everyone. It's been a little while since we've been on. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. How about that? Uh, How now, Brown Cow? Yeah, thank you. Talking's hard. Should have warmed up. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, before we do that, we'll get into what we've been up to, what we've been watching, and then we'll get into our, uh, top fives, top tens list of the year. So, uh, first and foremost, Stacey, how you doing, man? I'm good. You didn't introduce our guest. Well, I haven't yet, because, you know. It was supposed to be a surprise? It was. You ruined the surprise. Oh, no. Thanks. I'm good. What are you drinking over there? I am drinking in honor of Kansas City. Because Chiefs Boulevard Brewing Company Dark Truth Imperial Stout. Very nice. Uh, I am drinking a uh, what I am calling when life gives you lemons. Uh, we'll call it that. This you is you named it. Yeah. Well, just uh, now Melanie helped me name it, but yeah, just you know, is an easy one. Um, but this is uh, bourbon, which uh, I'm using uh, Four Roses uh, small batch, and uh, this consists of also some ginger ale. Some freshly squeezed lemon juice and some dashes of bitters. It's very tasty. So it's great. With that being said, we have a host today, or a co host today, a guest, uh, Nathan Jones. Hey, everybody. A recurring guest. How are you doing, man? Doing great. It's great Glad to, to see be you. back in the country. Yes, you've been uh, away for a little while. Uh, tell us about what you've been up to, man. Yeah, I was in China for four months, and uh, I know all those listeners out there. Yeah, did this guy bring the back the virus? And the answer is no, <laughs> I did not bring the back the virus. I came back a week before it even became a big thing. How about that? I know, good timing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I was over there teaching public speaking uh, in Chongqing, which sounds like a made up name, <laughs> but it's not. It's a, it's a really big city, 30 million people in it. So, wow. very big place. Uh, I had a really good time, learned a lot, yeah. and plan on going back. Well, awesome. We're great to have you back. You've been missed. It's nice to have you back on the show. Yeah. For this uh, big episode we're getting ready to try and tackle. Yeah, this one's daunting. Yeah. Uh, also, you want me to tell you what I'm drinking? Yes, please do. I got an Alaskan Brewing Company. I got an Amber here. Um, guess where it's made? Alaska? Right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Well nice. done. But it's good job good. by you. It's and pretty good. It's got I've, some nice, nice No one can notes. say I haven't achieved something in life. I got a question right. Okay, well, that being said, what's everybody up to uh, as far as, uh, you know, what's you, what your uh, watching habits been lately or, or gaming habits? What have you been up to, Stacy? Well, this week I have been catching up with things that I, I did not know if they would make my list or things that I wanted to revisit because, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, I've also been trying to catch up on 2019 movies. That is daunting. I find that I don't watch movies when they come out a lot of the times, and I'll wait, and then it's like, oh, shoot, it's the end of the year. I need to watch everything. Got a lot of stuff I just cram. Up. Yeah. Uh-huh. I get that. Um, outside of that, I've been playing a lot of Borderlands 3, Super Mario Brothers 3. Wahoo! Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. All right. Don't sue us, Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, 
What have you been up to, man? What is watched anything good recently? Yeah. Um, so just like Stacy, except for the fact that I was in another country, I didn't have right. access to very many movies. So I've been majorly trying to catch up on things. Uh, things over in China that I watched that I enjoyed was maybe one movie that I okay. really enjoyed. That was Knives Out. I watched it about two, nice. two and a half months ago. I just watched that this week. Finally. Yeah. It's I, great. I greatly yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, I also, uh, I will say one more China story, at least. I'm yeah. sure there might be more. But, Please uh, do. You, you, you've, you've got all night. When I was over there on Wednesday, the night before the premiere of Star Wars Episode Nine, I watched it in a theater by myself. Uh, the opening premiere in China because it's a day ahead of the U.S. <laughs> yeah. And so you had access to it before us. Yeah, and I thought I was in the wrong place because there's no one else there. <laughs> and this is like a 945 show. And I was really confused. And so then I walked out and, and you know, I in my conversational Mandarin that I do know, I mentioned I'm like, okay, am I the only one here? And they're like, Yes, you're the only one for this show. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so then I watched it by myself, uh, and yeah. yeah, it was it was a good time. It's definitely a popcorn Star Wars movie, and right, that's right. all I have to say about that, pretty yeah. much. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, when I got back in America, though, I've seen practically most of the Best Picture winners, save Ford vs. Ferrari. The nominees. Jo jo well, there's like three. Jojo yeah. Rabbit, Ford vs. Ferrari, and Pain and Glory. Everything else I've seen, okay. and I've enjoyed quite a bit. Um, but the most important thing is, and I told you this before, uh, was last night. Mm -hmm. I watched uh, an amazing <laughs> film. Um, if you haven't heard it or, or have seen uh, this magnificent, um, perfect movie, okay. um, <laughs> mm -hmm. you need to watch Cats, the Tom Hooper oh, production. Okay. You, you must. You have to. You have to lap it up like a, <laughs> like a saucer yeah. full of milk in front of you. Oh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a, it's a train wreck, but okay. I love it. And you had so, a good time. Yeah, we uh, went to Alamo Draft House with uh, some of my friends. Sure. Um, got a few drinks, milk, of course. You know, I know the kids out <laughs> there don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we had a really good time. Uh, it was like a rowdy screening, so we could all be really loud and kind of shout for our favorite cats. We meowed at everything, hissed. Um, what else did we do? Uh, we all started yelling when Judy Dench. Came onto the screen, we all started chanting "Dench, Dench, Dench." So there was there was moments like that. It was a great time. Something I won't forget. So honestly, I cannot wait to own it on Blu-ray and pretty much um, put many of my friends in potential danger together with me. Hey, if if you want, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll join join you in oh. that danger sometime. God damn, it's so good. Okay. Anyway, that's all I do. What about you? All right. Well. Um, <laughs> I've uh, so I've been watching a number of things. Uh, obviously, we haven't we haven't had an episode for about a month, so I'm not getting too bored. Long time no speak. Too much, yeah. But um, the one of the main things I've been doing over the last number of weeks, um, I've been digging a little more through the Criterion Channel, and they've had a '70s sci-fi package that uh, that Sounds they've sweet. been doing. So sadly, a lot of the movies were only on there for a month. So I went through as many as I could. There was a few that I didn't get to see. It was a mixed bag, but I there were some that I really enjoyed. Um, a few of those that I did enjoy would be the, the Omega Man, mm -hmm. uh, starring Charles Charlton Heston. Mm. Um, that was a lot of fun. 
Uh, also, Soylent Green, which I'd never seen. Uh, also, another Charlton Heston vehicle right there. Um, was also quite enjoyable. I found a uh, a connection with Mr. Charlton, Hes Charlton Heston because I hadn't really seen him in a lot. I've never seen his biblical epics he did, like, uh, you know, Ben-Hur and, uh, you Ten know, uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I've also never seen the original Planet of the Apes, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of his big stuff. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, I've never seen that. So oh, really um, these are, I, mean, I would say really good. these were some of my... Uh, earliest exposures to him and i enjoyed him uh, i think he's a fun president he's a good, he's a good president yeah good president yeah exactly <laughs> that's right yeah um so i enjoyed those two movies um since he uh went through like a paradigm shift right yeah the 70s to yeah current time right yes right? absolutely um, it seemed that way uh, um I, oh and one more i really enjoyed would be uh, rollerball which uh, stars james conn and I really enjoyed that movie as well. Uh, a couple of the ones I didn't really enjoy um, would be uh, one called No Blade of Grass, uh, ZPG, um, and The Terminal Man. Um, all those were not uh, not quite on point for me. But it was fun to go through a lot of those. And then um, another thing, a couple other things I would like to mention is uh, I saw the new Terrence Malick film, A Hidden Life. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, mention that either. Yeah, you watched that as well. You want to talk about that for a quick second? Um, I I really liked that movie a lot. I think it's his um, definitely his best film since real life. I, I think it did a great job of combining like some of his um, non narrative and narrative non narrative and narrative. Absolutely, yeah. some of his um, newer forms that he's been using, and, and some of his more scattered films, and then some of his older techniques. I think it's his most story plot driven movie since probably a new world. I would say. Yeah. Um, and it was just beautiful. It was one of the prettiest movies I've seen in quite some time. It is long. It's close to three hours long, but I think it's meditative, and I think it's, it is meant to be that long, and it does deserves its runtime. So it's yeah. What Every, do you think of it? Everything you just said. It's one of those feel, movies that there's uh, there's always a few movies every year that kind of challenge me in the sense that um, I can feel the runtime, but at the same time, I mm -hmm. do not feel bad about knowing that. And when I say that, I mean that in like the highest compliment. Uh, so, for instance, a, a few years ago, it was uh, first reformed, okay. right? But like, there's you know a really great performance by Ethan Hawke. So, mm -hmm. like, really, that kind of takes away like that you know long transcendental thing that mm -hmm. Paul Schrader was trying to go for. Sure. And then you also have something like the Ghost Story, which mm -hmm. really affected me um, with David Lowry's film. Mm -hmm. Like, but like, you could feel like the the length. But like that's that un, like being uncomfortable made it that much better. Yeah. Right? It's like one of those movies that always challenges me. So A Hidden Life challenged the way I, I view films mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of, you know, like I, it's Terrence Malick. So it's going to be a beautiful film uh, that I knew going in. Right. And then I knew it was kind of a narrative to an extent. So that was a little different. But I was I, yeah, I was blown away by the, the movie. And uh, after I saw it. I just sat there until the credits ended. But yeah. like it was, yeah, it, it's a movie that I it has not left my my memory. Yeah, it, when I was watching, um, you know, some th thoughts that came to my mind were, um, I think pretty obvious for me was like Martin Scorsese's Silence over the yeah, last. Yeah, that's what years. I thought of too. Um, I, I very much thought of that film while watching it. I thought of um, Dreyer's Joan of Arc very much while watching it. And also, this would probably sound weird to those that haven't seen it or 
I, it kind of even still sounds weird to me, but just my mind. I went to a little bit, and uh, my, uh, the Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, uh, a little bit while thinking of the film as well, which I didn't expect to go to that place. But anyway, uh, I, I quite like the movie. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Seems like you do go check too. it out. Yeah. So if I like Wicker Man, I'm going to like this? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Are you? Hmm. Yeah. Bees. There's bees there. <laughs> yeah, the new Wicker Man. Yes. Yeah. So if I like the new Wicker <laughs> yes. Man, I'm going to like yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah, so. well, it's correlation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, I just wanted to mention that because it's <clears> something <throat> I, I saw that I really liked. There's, there's a number of other things I've seen, but I will leave it there for now. So, you know. All right. Yeah. So with that being said, we've got a daunting task ahead of us. Are you ready to try to get into this thing that is or was the decade? That's my, that's my noise. Of the, I don't know what we're calling it. 2010s? 2010s. 2010s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some methodology here. All right. All right. So, so right. everybody has different ways on how they compile lists. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, each of us, if each one of us wants to go about it, I'll, I will start out by saying, um, <clears throat> as I do with most, most of my lists, it's a mixture of things, a mixture of favorites. Of uh, I, I am not one that rewatches things very often. I take note when I do find myself rewatching something. Um, and I also uh, look at things that have hit me emotionally because I do not hit get hit emotionally very often. And then I also take a look at um, reading of films, um, how I think it's worth studying, looking at text, subtext. And uh, I kind of, I just join everything um, in my head. It works. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I've just got to own, own thing I do, so. I'll leave it there. Who wants to go next? Um, for me, it's kind of a... Uh, it's like a mix between my favorite and just things that I'm into. Like, some of the films are just representations of greater things from the decade that I'm into. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought about doing, like, well, what do I think is most important? And honestly, outside of, like, my top two, any of these could just flip around. Yeah. I, I think my short list was, like, 100 movies and then i made a short short list of like 50 movies and um yeah outside of my top two because you know then i think about like well what's important from the decade Mm -hmm. like you know when you watch the oscars 20 or 30 years from now what's going to be in that montage from this decade of like this is film and then you know i i'm going to talk about this because i went down this hole and i think it's really weird that like some of the films that i thought were important I've not seen on anybody's list for like end of the decade list. Like I, I think it's weird that Zero Dark Thirty isn't on anybody's list. Yeah, and it didn't make my list because I went a different route with it. But when I was thinking of like well, what's important this decade, I was like, well, Zero Dark Thirty, like you know, that and Social Network are probably the most oh, yeah. like definitive yeah. films for the decade. Yeah, like I those two films, Network, both very good movies. And it's like that's what the decade's about, you know, and. You know, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be end up unless something greater comes along down the road. The best movie on the war on terror, it's it covers a thing that has informed yeah. how we've looked for the it's, last twenty years. But then it's, it's like, you know, I like this movie, but I don't want to rewatch it over and over again. No, it's no, hard. No. I actually, I mean, speaking of that, I've I've only seen it once. Um, I loved it when I saw it. Yeah, um, and, I remember it being, you know. When the year it came out, it was one of my favorite. And, movies it, of the and year. that's another um, thing. It's like you look yeah. at the reviews, and it's like. It's one of those, like, mm-hmm. reviewed films that, sure. you know, you see them on, I know, like, Metacritic and Rotten Tomato, like, that, you know, whatever. When was it again? 2012? Yeah, 2012. Okay. And it was like, 
one of those that was like the meta score was like 95 or 96 and it's like unanimously this is one of the best films that have come out mm-hmm. but like nobody mentioned it i even saw like wonder woman and batman v superman on like people's list yeah well, but i i like no not a single person has zero dark 30 on, on top of list. the fact that Catherine bigelow did it too i know and like and there's like a woman director yeah and and like zero dark well. 30 like you have this wonderful performance by jessica chastain that's like the central performance the action scene like the entire canary sequence at the end of the film yeah. with <laughs> seal team six it's so well directed I guess I just want to talk about this movie well, because I know okay. none it's, of it's us are going movie. to. But yeah. I think it, it does, does go into my methodology of like, <clears throat> you know, how do you you talk about right. like your favorite versus like what do you think is going to yeah. be important? And that's why I do in these in these when they do people do decade lists. I, I do think it, it goes a lot more to people what you say favorites uh-huh. because as you said, it, it's a movie that probably a lot of people haven't revisited that often. And um, not that it's bad. It's to, just like to talk about what they feel about you know. Another thing, like, when looking, like, for movies to make my short list, I I went through the years, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look at, like, the top 400 movies from any given year, and, like, you know, see what that looks like. And I did that, and, you know, for 2010, it's like, okay, so, like, once you get to, like, 300, you start to get, like, really shit movies. Mm-hmm. And then that lessened. It's like, as the, and I feel like we're in a time where so many movies come out. I think more movies come out now than any other time. Oh, absolutely. That I feel like there's movies aren't really given enough time to like resonate. Like how many movies are like important? Sure. You know, because everybody's list. So there's like maybe two movies that you'll see on people's list that are like always on their list, you know, from like the big writers and stuff. But outside of that, it's so different. Yeah. And I don't know, I just thought that was interesting because if somebody was doing, you know, like a 70s list, you know, you'd see like, you know, the two yeah. Godfather films, sure. I think it's you know, Jaws, stuff like right. that. And I, yeah. I just think it's, you know, because those films instantly resonated and they had a stamp on culture. Sure. I, I think another thing interesting to, discuss, interesting to discuss when thinking about this also is we have so many writers today. Uh-huh. There are so many people writing about film. And everybody wants to try, not everyone, but a lot of people want to try to have a singular voice or a singular opinion. And when you start thinking about that, too, when you've got somebody trying to vouch for something that they think somebody else isn't talking about. Well, I think, you know, for me, I want this to be talked about because for me, this is just trying. I I think and you get all these difference of opinions and thoughts that what you're saying. Well, everybody kind of wants to stand out. Sure. Absolutely. So it makes it does get. Muddled, you know. Yeah. There's, there's. Now, um, real quick, I want to agree with you on, real quick on something you said about your top two being your top two. I will actually agree with you on that. On my list as well, I will say that my top two are definitively my top two. The rest of my list, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, I, I didn't go quite a hundred like you did. I think I've got about fifty that I looked at, and I'm sure I've missed plenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's um, the thing, cause cause it's a daunting thing. You go through the decade, and you're uh, like, yeah. oh shit, that movie came out then, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. I watch this movie all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So and I rewatch movies. Yeah. Nathan, do you yes. do rewatching? Yeah, I do. And actually, many of the movies that I'm going to talk about uh, on my list are the movies that I've rewatched. There's a, a few that where maybe I'll take Nolan's approach, where I've maybe will only watch it once, but it still is so important to me. Something like Zero Dark Thirty, uh-huh. where it's like I, I've seen the movie once. 
Uh, Zero Dark for Thirty doesn't resonate particularly with me as much. I do remember watching it in theaters. Um, and uh, I don't think the cultural significance of that film hit me until, honestly, years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that when, what I do uh, is very similar to both of your processes is that uh, I have a mixture of my favorite movies of those years, even if I have like, you know, 10 movies from that year that I'm like, okay, this is a really good, uh, this is a really good year for these particular movies. Like, okay, well, what about, and then I had to figure out, like, this was a really hard process to do, <laughs> is mm-hmm. to figure out what is like the, the, the 10 movies or the five-ish movies that I right. really think are really important. And then the other thing I took was the cultural significance. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted to see um, what a lot of these movies, even though some of these movies are not everybody's favorites, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to see where that cultural significance were. Because like, like you said earlier, um, with the, uh, the ability to let things breathe is right. like yeah. so, I feel like non-existent now because of social media and just the fact that mm-hmm. um, our, our minds are so... Just like so, so quick, and then we're gonna like okay, right. let's move on to another thing now. Right, and, and so many things come out <clears throat> so fast. I mean, right? You know, I, I think I watched. You know, I I can watch on a given week. You know, I'll watch seven to ten movies. Right. Sometimes I'll watch yeah. three or four new releases in a week, and I want to. It, it's a thing where I want to stay, keep up, and keep relevant. Um, but I also like I'm always wanting to watch old films because there's so much stuff I haven't watched. Sure. It's a hard yeah. medium, and and when you've got so much stuff, like it's hard to focus sometimes on this was really great, but I want to see what's the next thing that's going to be really great. Like it, it's it's hard to just I don't know that that's something I deal with from time to time. I deal with the same thing. I also have a hard time judging movies that are recent. Like I I I watch them and I think about them. I'm like like. Usually it'll be something that I'm like really high on, and then I'll think about it and be like, "Oh well, you know, I didn't like this aspect or this aspect." Maybe a recency effect. Yeah, Yeah. or there'll be times where it's like, you know, a movie that I'll be like, "Well, this is, you know, isn't as strong," but then I'll think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, over and over again, and like reevaluate it. And I feel like when I watch classic films, it's more instant of like, "Oh yes, this is a masterpiece," and and maybe that is just due to reading other people or I I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Cause like here's an example, um, way out in left field, but you know, we, when you and I screen the devils Mm -hmm. and that's not a film I read about too much. Like I know about Ken Russell and stuff, but the moment I saw that film, I was like, this is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like with films I watch now, that doesn't happen too often. Like modern films. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just because there are so many just, right. like, good movies. Or... I don't think there's enough time that's passed to really process. We don't have enough process there, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's fair, too. And right. I think it's... We're in, all, yeah, you know, no, finish, finish your thought. I was going to say, I, I think that what informs us about some of the past movies that we, like, consider master classes and masterpieces, um, I think there's, like, a little bit of time on top of the fact that you know, maybe we weren't around during that, that particular time period when other movies were coming out. And right. so, you know, yep. I, I think there is, I mean, the closer you are to, I think, the the films themselves or whenever they came out, I think you might have this effect where you can't see 
the full picture of like mm-hmm. what in the grand scheme of the history of what this means for for cinema or what it means for sure. yourself you don't ha- you can't see that yet right and so right. you know things from our our past i'm sure um you know there are, are some things that we grew up on that we that we find really really significant like you know something really simple like watching the first the trilogy of star wars mm-hmm. right when i was growing up before the the prequel mm-hmm. trilogies came out mm-hmm. um was a really big deal for me right. uh in particular and big deal for a lot of people but those are just like some simple yeah. examples i think you make a good point in in watching <clears throat> things as you continue to grow like you know or the younger generation we're all we're in our 30s how old are you Nathan? i'm just, about to be 28 you're about to be 28 okay so like you know kids that are teenagers now like what what makes them you know think about what makes them excited like people that are going to be like it is weird to you know because we don't know like but it is like but also like you think about things as well like i i think all of us probably do this as well as others is um when you watch older films and in something you think is great or masterpiece it's like okay they did this but then when you see something newer it's like you know, what are, what are you aping from that? Like how much relevance should it have? Because it's something I've seen done and better before. Right. Yeah. But okay. And I guess if there it's was a complex subject, obviously. Yeah, there, there is. Um, okay. <laughs> the podcast now, We're not actually. going to solve it for everyone. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, to use a recent example of a thing. And I, I don't want to use this to like, strike up uh, debate or anything because I I Nathan I don't know how you feel about this film but I know that um like I am mostly indifferent just appreciating like yeah it's well made and you outright hate mm-hmm. but the Joker right that movie relies a lot on taking from other films mm-hmm. that you know I I would say unquestionably we would say it steals from better films. But then it's like, if you criticize that, it's like, I mean, all movies take from everything sure. else. Yeah, there's influences. I mean, unless you're yeah. hardcore and only watch, you know, films from the 20s, like, who gets to be the gatekeeper of pastiche? Yeah. So, I, I don't yeah. know. And, and but it's, you do bring up, because sure. you do, you do think of films and it's like, well, is Pain and Glory? I mean, that's mm-hmm. Omnivore's, you know, eight and a half. Is it right. as good as eight and a half? You right. know, I don't know. It's sure. Maybe that's unfair to compare movies like that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a fair point. You know, it's it's a lot going on and we're not going to have answers. Every, and that's the thing too, is like, we can agree or disagree all day and it's not going to matter, but it is an interesting subject to think about. Right. Like, because, yeah. As for the Joker, it was banned in China, so I have not seen it yet. <laughs> and uh, but I do know of uh, like its taxi driver esque ni- like uh, nature yeah. towards yeah. the film. So yeah. Yeah. I do know King about. Of comedy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, King of Comedy. Again, too, yeah. we're not. Scorsese. Yeah, it's not. You know, we have difference of opinions, and that's fine. That's all it is. I yeah. mean, but yeah, I, it, not strong enough to go on a hill and die. Yeah, for, I mean, though, it's, right. it's a, for me, it's just a movie. You know, I, I, I have other you movies. Absolutely, I feel much more strongly. I think it's. I think it's based on. Like how many people are talking yeah. about it too? Right. So it's like, like you said, with Pain and Glory, with eight and a half. I mean, how many regular people know about the like eight and a half? Right. Like, you know, that's, like that's cinephiles that's do. A fair question. Like we know. Right. Or like mm-hmm. you know, I was watching uh, the commentary from Robert Eggers on the Lighthouse, and he was talking about 
some shots from Hour of the Wolf from Bergman and and things uh, mm-hmm. like that and his influences. And I'm like, well, there's particular shots that he's borrowing. He's like, like this is like an homage to, mm-hmm. like, like it's like it's not a very. And he would even mention he's like it's not a very good homage. It's just like <laughs> this is something that like you know you can kind of glimpse into the the director's kind of like their background of like oh what well what influenced them and what, yeah what are you into right. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I, that's something I'm really guilty of not doing is letting things breathe. I think that would be yeah. a really, really great topic, yeah. especially for me, because going back to what Nolan had to say, too, is like, I, I, every week I have to like catch up with all these things and I want to watch older movies mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to digest all of that. And it's the same with like books for me now. Right. I've been reading a lot of books and it's like, I don't, there's not enough time in the world. Yeah. To consume all these things, absolutely, and that, and us all, you know, depending on what art form you like, you're going, you, you only have a certain amount of time in this world, and you want to try at least, uh, I think, in all three of our opinions, you you want to try to consume what you can before your time's up. So I mean, it, right. it's a I'm it's a sure struggle. More on this earth is absolutely. to consume uh, media. That's right. Capitalism absolutely. will rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was a fun discussion. Um, yeah, sorry you know. to like oh, no. steer things off, but I, I yeah, am good. genuinely interested yeah. in how you guys came to your conclusions because yeah. I feel like I I feel like for me it's this is my list. Yeah. But it's not what I think's the best of the decade. Not all of them sure. are mm-hmm. at any given point my favorite of the decade. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's my list. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, mine's not a top ten, like there's no order for mine. Okay. <laughs> so just to let you Thanks. I, I will. I will count my five. <laughs> I will count my five as the ones. Okay. I will. Uh, yeah. Last thing. I. I didn't. This. This. If this. Um. Is off. I didn't ask you guys for this. So this is just a random question. So if you don't have an answer, C. It's fine. <laughs> not as in. Not as yes, but I mean, like C is the answer. I'm buzzing. Always in. choose C. You've got a fifty-fifty chance. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, something. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yes, Thank you. But... There's usually four. Right. Okay. My bad. <laughs> Uh, Man, I never, I, I failed college algebra many times, which, <clears throat> okay. So, uh, real quick, uh, did you guys, when looking at these, is, is there certain year or years that you thought were the strongest of these 10 or did that come across to anybody when looking at these? Did you think it over? Um, uh, just curious. I'm trying to think back and, oh man, I, there's a, it's pretty spread out for me. Okay. But, um, maybe twenty fourteen. Okay. For me. Okay. And sorry again. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't really prepare this. And I was just curious. No, no, no. That is a good question. Um, because there are years that I saw and I was like, oh, there are only like five movies I like that year. Um. <laughs> yeah. And that that that's hyperbolic, but. Um, I get your, I get. The yeah. So, what, what year was Wolf of Wall Street? I remember yeah. that being like a strong year. For, yeah, that was that was a strong year for like yeah. the the best picture category. Yeah. I will say in general that was a strong year for me. Um, I found twenty thirteen. Um, twenty thirteen, yeah. Twenty thirteen to be quite strong. Um, I had actually I just picked three years because it just that's what I did. Uh-huh. I picked that year. I also picked 2016 and believe it or not 2019. What think, uh what 2016 what was the big one? So yeah, in in 20 What do I got? In, what do uh, I got? 2016 um I don't want to name them right off hand because because they'll give be away your list in my list right. but um, there are some good ones. I will say there are a few from each of those 3 years uh-huh. in my top 10. Suicide so, Squad. Hey, all right. 
Well, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Thanks a lot, ass. <laughs> was that number one? It was. It was number one. Just, it. Nathan, you ruined it. All right, podcast <laughs> is over. That's why you hated the Joker so much. <clears throat> Absolutely. Hashtag not my Joker. <laughs> Jared Leto. Hashtag whoop I mean, whoop. Here's a Fago. <laughs> Jared Leto, you're a god in that movie. Um, so, you know, Joaquin, screw you. <laughs> Actually, I've never seen Suicide, Suicide Squad. I'm you don't sorry. need to. Yeah, yeah it's I'm bad. Sorry, they fight mushroom people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, um, that was just kind of a quick thought ahead. So, are you guys ready to get into our lists? Yeah, let's. All right. Some. Do you want to? Okay. How we're gonna? Do we just want to go one person at a time and list like yes. your your ten through six? I would like to start that off. So we're only going to be in our in kind of a more deeper discussion on our top fives. So if if we would go around the room. Everybody, just kind of name your 10 through 6 here, um, if you want. Nathan, do you want to start this thing off? Mm. Just just name your 10 through 6, please. Do you want to stop, please? <laughs> you, you did sound very desperate with that. Um, do we want to stop for any conversation on these 10 through 6? It's something like, if, if anybody really wants, strikes our fancy. If anybody wants to say something, um, go for it. But Is there a time limit? Because I want to be really brief on some things. There's no time. Okay. Nothing well, but time itself. I, uh, I I will say uh, I would like to mention like just can I have honorable mentions real quick? Absolutely. Sure. I just want to name and like have like a brief comment about each. Yeah. Um, go for it. So, so these are not in your top ten. Not right? in my top okay. ten. These are some movies that I thought about. All right. So um so I I really did not. This is a spoiler, but I didn't have any animated films into in my top ten. However, I did want to talk about two particular films that I thought were really unique and special uh, for the decade. First one uh, was Loving Vincent. Okay. I thought this was a uh, not a movie that is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just such a unique a way of um, maybe a futuristic type of take on how we will create film in the future. That was one I didn't get to see, but I was yeah. very interested in seeing it. I saw it in, uh, it was actually the first uh, Draft House Club, the uh, Alamo Draft House okay. Club uh, movie. For I will say for those interested, it is on Hulu Plus now. So, I mean... You know. It's made by uh, quite a number of painters, frame yes, by frame. Right, so right. It's really fantastic. Okay. Um, then the other animated film was Coco. I thought okay. that might have been. I think that might be the best Disney movie uh, animated film for at least for me uh, the last decade. I, I think it it shows a, a good representation of a culture that we don't really we kind of you know maybe stereotype a little bit in the sense that we don't really know Day of the Dead, but. Uh, and uh, so I think it was just a really good kind of just heart, uh, heartful kind of tale. But on top of the fact that it's so vibrant, the movie is like one of the most vibrant movies I've ever seen animated. And so it, it, it had a really good, um, really good message, I thought. Um, then some other things I want to mention. Uh, I did want to mention a few. OK, I'll just mention one more. Yeah. Uh, two more. Two more. Two more. OK. Yeah. OK. Um, <laughs> One movie, it's a Polish movie, and I don't really know much about it. I've only seen it once because I only have the guts to watch it once. Um, but this movie is The Son of Saul. Oh, yes. um, I've seen it. Yeah, I think this was probably the best representation of the shit that went down, uh, especially in Eastern it's Europe. It's a difficult movie to watch. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, you, you have something like Schindler's List or, um, I guess, even Shoah. Right, uh, from the Criterion, um, it's on the it's on Criterion. Claude uh, Lonsman. Claude, yeah, Claude yes. Lonsman, which is probably probably the best representation of what went down. But like on a 
cinematic experience. Narrative level. Yeah, uh, Son of Saul really disturbed me on mm. a really um, high point, and I, I really, en- well, enjoy would not be the the, t- the, the sure. word for that, but I, I thought that movie was really, really, really powerful. Quick question before yeah. we move on. Uh, did you get to see his follow-up, uh, Sunset? No. I would highly recommend okay. to everyone. I, yeah. Yeah, very good movie. Anyway. Sunset. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention is um, this uh, director is up and coming and he's produced two really fantastic movies. They might be in your top ten. I don't know. Um, but they're not in mine. But I did want to mention Barry Jenkins. Um, oh, nice. I nice. wanted to mention that Moonlight and If Beale Street Can Talk have been two immense, immensely emotional movies that I mm-hmm. I don't think I would have ever, uh, you know, growing up watching movies, I would never see these movies affecting me the way they do, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I, I cannot experience any of these backgrounds whatsoever or relate sure. to it whatsoever, but I, I just thought they were great movies. Yeah. yeah. It's not on my list. I don't know if it's on your list. Neither of them made mine, although but, I do love both of them. Yeah, Moonlight's phenomenal. I do think that, you know, we were talking earlier about methodology and, like, greatest of all time and all that stuff, and I brought up the idea of, you know, montage 20 years from now. Mm-hmm covering this time i do think that the shot in moonlight where marcella is holding the boy in the oh, water yeah that shot will be in a montage oh, absolutely. of these are the great films so that's my honorable mention right so now, now they go into my 10 through 6 all right um which is no order here the first one i want to mention is um directed by the coen brothers which is is a really really Fantastic musical journey. Yes. And that's Inside Lewin Davis. Very nice. I think this movie um, has Oscar Isaac performing um, really great songs, but also a really uh, interesting look into that time period on top of the fact that, you know, like a window into depression and like really not knowing yes. what what's to come in front of you. And, uh, I you know, it's very Coen Brother-esque. I guess that's the best yeah. way to describe it. I'll, I'll give a, um, <clears throat> this is a spoiler warning. I won't say what, but it will come up again. All right. I won't say much more. From me. Um, <laughs> great pick. Thank you. Any other thing else? I'll say we'll, more we'll words. Say, we'll when, say more words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. Good um, pick. And then the, uh, okay. Uh, the next movie uh, is a Richard Linklater film. And it's actually the last in a trilogy uh, that might be a, there might be a fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be mad if there was, but I mean, this maybe I would, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel yet. Um, but uh, this is before midnight. And so uh, I am a incredible fan of the before trilogy. I, there's never, I, I when I worked at the, at the CD warehouse yeah. where I worked in the record yeah. store, uh, I was kind of exposed to these movies. I was making a top 10 romance um, video like romance movies that mm-hmm. I that I liked, right? I thought of like Princess Bride. You know, I thought of Crazy Stupid Love and like different you know romance sure. films that have like affected me in my life. Mm-hmm. And I never watched these movies. And then I made the video, and then I finally uh, got it on Criterion, yeah, the beautiful yeah. box set. And then I watched them like, holy shit! This was like this usurps all yeah. of the things I just watched. Right. And, it's yeah. a great movie. I'll, I'll <clears throat> say that it's not on my top ten, but it. It's somewhere in one of my favorites of the decade. I, I think, 
Have you Funny s- thing. Yes. I have only seen the second one. Oh, well, okay. And I saw it as soon as it came out. Okay. Just because I was like, oh, yeah, people are liking this movie. I'm going to go see this movie. No to context this, to the first yeah, one. Yeah, this sequel yep. to this 90s <laughs> film that people like. I'm right. going to go see this. And then, you know, the third one gets all the praise and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I really like the second one. I just haven't sat down yeah. and watched the other two. Yeah. You I got the middle of the story. They're, they're all great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say I, I'm, I'm similar to you, although I, I didn't. I watched them before the box that came out. I, I saw um, all three of them within a matter of a few months because okay. I saw the third one when it hit theaters. So I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Yes. But um, so the first two, I, I just watched a few months before that one came out. Um, I enjoyed all of them, but like the third one hit me the most emotionally. Right. Um, just because of like probably where I'm at in life and I didn't grow up with those characters like a lot of people have as they've watched them every ten years or That's another been. thing, right? Is another whole entire discussion right. is like how yeah. these films were made. Sure, sure. Um so I, I will say great pick. I, I love that movie. So glad it's glad it made your Yeah, list and there. speaking of Very influences, nice. there's some scenes from Marriage Bergman stuff in that movie as well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so it's really really great um also really hard to watch as well um okay number seven right uh something like that eight eight no yes eight i will pick this one uh because you said eight (laughs) well i think we talked about this a little bit on the the time i came Mm. right it's my favorite tarantino movie all right the hateful eight the hateful eight yes um this is a perfect film for me uh, this is everything I like in a movie. Um, one location, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, dialogue heavy. Um, fantastic score. Um, great acting. Uh, pretty good at, at combination of uh, dark humor mixed with, uh, you know, like, disgusting like, mm-hmm. actions. and A lot of nastiness. A lot on. of nastiness. And then, like, mm-hmm. there's that you know, frontier kind of pioneer justice mm-hmm. that I, I like seeing, uh, you know, unfold caveman esque. Yeah. Like they use the civil society as like a guys, right. <laughs> but like, I, I really, I really love that movie. And, uh, like from the opening shot, you know, it's just, it's, a, I love that movie and I love watching that movie. It's so. very good. Great pick. Yeah. It, yeah. I've already told the story in our, in our Tarantino episode. I'm pretty sure. So I'm not going to tell it again, but I had a, you know, I had a good experience. Uh, two experiences watching that movie and the second was wonderful so um, it's a great movie I, I love it great pick alright number seven I will uh, go with a Kenneth Lonergan movie um, and this was a really big movie when it came out uh, Manchester by the Sea alright I really nice. uh, this is talk about a movie that uh, there's a lot of emotion attached to it and this is something that like once I said again with like when I was talking about Barry Jenkins, I I cannot emotionally relate to this story, but I can relate to the struggle of not knowing where you belong mm-hmm. in life. Maybe not to the extent of these characters, but um, this yeah this movie is extremely dark. Yeah, and the way these characters interact with each other is so realistic in the sense that I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, I think you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Great. Great pick. Yeah. I, I like that movie a lot. You know, you're talking about great years. That was a good year for movies. Wasn't it Manchester? 2016. Yeah. Um, Shape of Water. Was that the other one? And then call me by your name. That was that year. 
Yeah, Take that was a great freaking be year. A couple more Call Me By Your Name year. was the year after 2017. Or, uh, that was, oh, that was 2017. Yeah, was 20, it Manchester? 2016, I think. That was La La Land and Moonlight year, right? That was 2016. <laughs> we don't know anymore. I'm just We're lying to everyone, you know. Yes, 2016. I have it right here. 2016. Okay. And yes, La La Land, Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was okay. Yeah, that was one that, of my, that's still a good year. One of my favorite years. Like, yeah, it's a great oh, year. La La Land's all right. And, you know, of the real, three, real quick, yeah. I, I just yeah. want to say that you know, I, I had a, actually uh, Melanie and I had some deep conversations last night about film, and we stayed up at four in the morning talking. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. That makes uh, sense. You know, we we talked about that movie, and I'll just bring it up because it's not going to come. I don't think in any other conversation today. But it's a movie that um, I I enjoyed when I saw it. It's a movie that I don't care to revisit. And the reason why is is I enjoyed it for what it was. I feel like if I rewatch it now, I'm not going to have that experience. And I have nothing to care about seeing it um, again. Um, so I would just say I enjoyed it. Um, but it's a movie I could I don't care if I ever see again. I'll put it that way. Which movie? La La Land. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yes. For I, me, yeah. that's a film that I think is like on a technical level. It yeah. is good. I ain't buying their drama, and there are no memorable songs sure. in their musical. Except for City of Stars. City Stars yeah, that song's yeah. good, good song. but... But yeah, I, I get what you mean, and and yeah. the more and that's why the more... It's a movie that I think I was probably somewhat wrong on, I'll be the first to admit. That um, freeway scene's really but, good, yeah, it is, but it's, uh, it's I don't remember the song. It's a I just know the staging. Right, it's a technically brilliant film. Right. Um, yes, it, but um, again, I, I want to just reserve the moment I had... And I'm going to keep it in my mind that way. Fair enough. Even Chazelle overrated. All right. I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Bit, but. Except for Whiplash. I like Whiplash. Whiplash yeah. is, you know. A, a marvelous piece of editing. I, great editing. There was some melodramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. Oh, man. The, the last concert scene is like a miracle of editing. Like, it's right. so well done. But there's some drama stuff in that movie that I didn't care for. Sure. Yeah, but I do understand why people love that film. Yeah. Okay, last movie I'll talk about, and and this this is the hard part is figuring out that six to five mm, yeah thing absolutely. for me. Yeah. Um, but I think based on my own personal experience, uh, I'm gonna say number six is First Reformed by Paul Schrader. Oh wow, that's really and, good. Great and pick. So nice. um, I have struggled because I really want it in number. I, I want it in the top yeah. ten, uh, top five. Um, but First Reformed. Um, I remember watching this by myself in the theater. Uh, I was not around anybody else. And I've always had a struggle with my own faith or lack thereof, mm -hmm. I suppose. And so I connected with uh, with that message pretty surface level. But then there's like so many other different messages, you know, in the film about the environment on top of the fact that uh, alcoholism, you know, uh, addiction, right? Addiction is a big uh, theme of the film, and there's just, and like, I guess extremity is really kind of the, uh, you know, a part of the, the film that mm -hmm. like, like, how far are we going to go um, when we, you know, go down a certain road? And so mm -hmm. uh, it's, and there's so much more to say about that movie. But yeah, I mean, if we could, I mean, we could have a whole, whole episode of First Reform. Um yeah. The, the idea of a man of faith whose job is to sell, you know, you deserve to be forgiven, mm -hmm. having the thought of, do we deserve to be forgiven people? Like, 
man, it's awesome. It, it's it's a heavy movie. Um, it, it's a great movie. I, it it didn't make my top ten, but it's a movie I loved. Do you watch a lot of Schrader films? Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't seen a lot of his. I guess did he do a few things recently? He's so his recent movies, like I think some of them are even like direct to video, like Bruce Willis, like action vehicle level. Like, didn't he do some with him? In, he like, did. Nick Cage. He did a Nick Cage thing, but I don't. I watched that on the Criterion Channel. But right I, because I, I feel like. First Reformer was like the big like oh Schrader's back, and I feel like before that, the movie of his that got talked about and this was probably like what five years ago was The Canyons. I never watched that, and that was a that's not a good movie, but it, it has style. Mm-hmm. But his seventies and eighties work is pretty killer from what I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I love Cat I, People. I haven't seen. Actually, I haven't seen Cat People. So I've seen him write, obviously, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other movies? Uh, he also wrote Raging Bull, and yeah, uh, right. I think he helped write Last Temptation. Oh, 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 oh. Mishima. Mishima. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, Mishima's awesome. I absolutely movie. love that fucking movie. Yeah. I um, love that movie. Some of, it's like, very good. It, it is one of my personal favorite movies of all time. I, I think Mish- Mishima is a masterpiece. I can't wait. I was um, looking for the book the other day. I'm serious. Yeah, I would love to read... You know, as well. I, some a couple of like he also like we were talking about some of his recent movies. Um, like you guys said, Canyons. It seems like he'll make like a profound movie once every like ten years now. And then he makes money. Yeah, and then he like kind of goes away and does like direct to video. Yeah, it um, seems like but a he's got interesting yeah. person to work with. Yeah, based on that that Criterion. Yeah, did you watch that? Did anyone watch that? That new little thirty minutes? No, I I saw that was on the channel. I, it's I I, I need to that. watch that uh, that soon. Yeah, they do little yeah. uh they little short documentaries. Some of his outbursts on mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, he's an interesting just film character in general. Other yeah, than not yeah. I mean, discussion character. I mean, he he, he says some interesting things. Uh, but uh, very know. expressive. Yeah, that's the thing. But um, I, I find him to be very interesting. To say the least. So yeah, a uh, great pick. I love that movie. Yeah, oh. and so that concludes my ten through six. Both, Very nice. All mentions. All right, um, good picks, man. I'll I'll go next here. Um, so I'll just start off here. Uh, number ten. I have uh, my first tie that everyone will see today. Um, as you all know, I like to do cheats. There's so honorable mentions. I cheat. Honorable I mentions. Um, but yeah. this I couldn't leave either of these out. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> so my number ten. I've got a tie here. This is uh, The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. You know, I thought about it, and, you know, 2019 is like, it's in the now still. Right, right. So I had a hard time trying to think about, should I include something or not? And ultimately I did, because these two movies have affected me, and I've I've watched them twice already. Yeah. I don't rewatch films that often, and when I... Rewatch both these movies, like, for me, they were masterpieces. So, mm-hmm. like, for me personally, like, I would be lying to myself if I didn't add them. And 2019, obviously, is still a part of this last decade. So, recency bias aside, I wanted to add them. I know s- some people will not have anything from 2019, but I wanted to represent the year because I think it's a fantastic year of cinema. So, I wanted to represent it somehow, and I think both those movies, for me, are masterpieces. Can I ask you a thing? Sure. Since it's so highly regarded on your list, does See, it make you mad when I talk about the bad CGI in Irishman? No. I mean, it doesn't upset me. Um, yeah. There are, like... The f- 
we talked about it. I, sure. I could go on for an hour about the things I love about that yeah. movie. No, the, I mean, I'll be honest. The first time I watched it, I had a similar reaction to you. Like, I liked the movie. Right. I didn't love it. I Obviously, I saw some flaws in it. The second time I watched it, I, like, obviously, there's those CGI elements are still there. But I wasn't thinking about them. I'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so enraptured with the film that I just didn't care. But, you know, I, I can't deny there are some CGI elements that are issues with... Um, with Robert De Niro's character. Um, but I just like to poke fun. I know you do. <laughs> I but, like uh, the movie a lot. But I like I, my britches. And... I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, Find the supermarket. <laughs> but uh, the, it's, it's um, well, both of them, in fact. I, I just, I to me, in my head, not only do I love them, but I think they are going to be talked about for some time. And, 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 and that's one of those things we talked about, Certainly. about how things, if we think things are going to be talked about or not. And I think people are going to talk about them, not as their best works, maybe necessarily, but as masterpieces from these like big time directors later in their careers. So, you know how we were talking earlier about evaluating films. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a film that when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this is a really good film. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I don't think it's as good as some of his recent works. Yeah, we had that conversation and in, in our podcast. The last mm-hmm. few months, I'm like, Reading? I can't stop thinking about that movie. Yeah. Like, I think about sequences and I think about that ending. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. did you watch it again? No, oh, I'm just okay. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that ending is so beautiful. And, like, it it makes me emotional thinking about that ending. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a really good movie. So then I go back and I reevaluate, and I'm like, yeah, this is a, this is four and a half stars or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. the stupid rating list thing on the letterbox. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I I didn't give the movie enough love when it came out, because I was like, well, I don't know, Django's pretty freaking cool. Mm -hmm. Sure. But it's like, man, I can't stop thinking about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a movie I watched twice. I love both times I watched it, but like kind of like you, even though I've seen it twice, I recently bought the Blu-ray, the mm-hmm. 4K actually, and I've like just got a like I've been wanting to just rewatch it again. Like, yeah, I have a feeling I just I just want I, I'm craving that movie. Like yeah, that, I just that's the thing too. As this is one of those rare rare movies that it gets better when you watch it. Again. Yeah, yeah, and that's sure. the thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think when we talked about it initially. You know, when I before I left for China, uh, it was the same similar experience that I had with you. Like, you know, I like watched like this is a good movie. It's like, mm-hmm. but like I like Inglorious Bastards more, right? Hateful Eight, which I still like Hateful Eight more mm-hmm. personally. Sure, but you know, the the second time I've seen, it, I've only seen it twice as well. Uh, I'm like, wow, this movie's really great. Yeah. I was like, and it's just like there's so many fantastic elements. It's like such a patient movie. It's such a um, uh, mature movie for him too. Yeah, I was That's, just thinking that yeah, like it's mature. very thoughtful and yeah, mature. Yeah, it's it's like Tarantino's like okay, he's realizing the, like the um, accumulation of everything he's done before and in, into this into this this work, and I like it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad <clears throat> you guys enjoyed enjoyed it so much. Um, Top my list there. You're jumping the gun. I'm curious what's going to be when we do our best of 2019. Yeah, list. Oh. that is a bit of a spoiler. Those two will be pretty high up there. Uh, okay. Really? <laughs> uh, up next, uh, at number nine, I've got Burning. This is from Lee Ooh, Chong Dong from that, uh, last year. Uh, this was my favorite movie of 2018. Thank you. Um, I'll just say, you know, uh, it's it's a movie I responded to. It's um, just 
you know, want to like, I talked about it last year. It's really good. People want to hear my thoughts, or both our thoughts on it. Yeah. Listen to that episode. It's on, it's on record. Yes. Uh, here's a bit of a controversial one. Um, the Tree of Life cool. at number eight. <laughs> this is directed by Terrence Malick. I know we have differing views on this movie. Um, thankfully, we don't have to go in depth on it too much. What do you think of this movie? I think I might be more on Nolan's, maybe into the spectrum. Um, I will say um, this was the second Malick film that I watched. I watched Tree, uh, Thin Red Line before I watched anything mm-hmm. else. And I still have not seen Days of Heaven or several other movies we just mentioned when we were talking about Hidden Life. Um, but I approached this movie with an open mind. I tried to, like, okay, I know that this movie is going to be extremely uh, gorgeous. Um, and also it's not going to really have much of a narrative into in, into it. I will say there are some uh, some parts where it's like, okay, maybe it's a little too... Um, high art or like self-involved but at, at the end of the he's day a, though, he's a pretentious director I, mean, right. I like to say up its own ass right exactly but uh but at the end of the day though like i can't deny how wonderful um some some of the emotions that it the movie evokes for me um you know he's got i guess an affinity for like relationships with like with like children and babies uh with it sounds really weird saying it out loud <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, whatever father or mother figure when, when they have their their child in front of them, um, there is there's like a connection there sure. that like it feels it feels pretty genuine, and I, I like that. Uh, for me, this is it's a, like again, I, I won't talk too much about it. I, I haven't, I've only, uh, I don't, I haven't seen the movie in a number of years, so I I don't have a lot probably that I can bring to the table other than. The what it made me feel um, for him for this movie in particular with a lot of his later movies it's about the image and the the moments of those images and it's also about the rhythm the rhythm of his editing and the rhythm of of how his images line up and so that's uh, that's he it's all a, the beauty of the image for me. He so. needed better CG dinosaurs. But what about you? Yeah. Oh, real quick. Just, uh, yeah. I know you don't. Like I don't want to shit on the movie because here's the thing. I am in the minority. I get that. Like. This film is on tons of writers' lists. I know you love the movie. Nathan, you sound like you're high on the movie. Um, I was super pumped to see this movie. Uh, usually when I go out to the movies, I'm super pumped to see it. I think in recent memory, Cats is the only movie that I want to see in theaters that I know is going to suck. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> and the positives. If we don't make it in theaters, we're going to watch it right. on Blu-ray. Which I'm, so. I, I'm fine to do both ways. And <laughs> I bring the milk. Yeah. <laughs> but... Like, Tree of Life, you know, you see those trailers and it's like, oh shit, that's really well shot. I, I gotta go see this. I like this cast a lot. And, you know, at that point, it's like Thin Red Line's the only movie I saw of his. You know, I saw it when it came out. I was like, this is really good. So I was like, ah, yeah, he hasn't made a movie in a while. Like, this looks really good and interesting. And we went to the Art House Theater to watch it. And sitting there, I'm like, okay. Letting the visuals wash over me. I was like, oh. He's just saying like obvious things, but they're being whispered at me. <laughs> Mother, father, living inside me. Like, all right, I get it. Like, come on. <laughs> that that was my experience sure. with the film. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's awesome that yeah. it speaks to some people. It didn't speak to me. Maybe he didn't. Maybe if he didn't mumble whisper. Yeah, and, and I will say, like, the movie doesn't, to me personally, it doesn't speak to me on a, on a uh, emotional or 
any type of, I mean, for it's me, craft. what I have with him, and especially from Tree Life up to, <clears throat> not counting his new movie, um, I, I don't think narrative is his is what he's in um, now, while it might be up its ass. Uh, to me, the narrative is not the first and foremost of those movies. It's more um, uh, a collage of images. And going back to Hidden Life, I actually think that that movie's a, a mature tree of life. And I want to see that mixed movie. with like with a, a little bit of narrative because like it is a very impactful like story sure. about they object to whatever is going on in their country, right? They won't, yeah. They will, they will sustain, like, abstain from action, right? Sergeant so, York, right? And so, <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly, uh, nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, no, it's just it's. It's something you really, I mean, that's like kind of like the, like the, the central plot of the movie, but like, you know, it, it mixes with that tree of life elements. And then I think it, it's, it's told much in a much better way. It really is a combination of all his forms. He's yeah, finally, and I really want to see it. Oh, this looks good. And then Nolan's like, you're not going to like it. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's fair. And you know, I'll see reviews and stuff and they will be middling. And it's like, oh, I like what you say about the new one. I love the. I, I I think he actually. We'll we haven't really one. talked about this. Is the oh, first time we've yeah. really talked about. You think it. I'd like it? I think you know. I can't promise you love it, but I think you. It would be the the closest to anything you've liked of his since. Um, Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line. Thank yeah. You. yeah, yeah. So that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, it, so. it's got some emotion evoked. You yeah. can do yeah. with that for sure. Yeah. Um. So anyway, all right. Cool. Uh, number seven, I've got the Handmaiden. This is directed Ooh. by Park Chan Wook. Um, this is for me like the I, I when I when I first watched it uh, I like I think I said something like this is the most this is like Park Chan Wook pornography like it's it's the most Park Chan Wook like all his the weird things that get him off right? yeah yeah um, all, all combined um, it, it's a beautiful movie um, it's it's good adjective yeah <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah it, it's a great movie um, it's I don't know. I love it. Uh, like I said, not going to go terribly, terribly in depth here, uh, other than um, you should all watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, I think, um, you know, it, it's beautiful. I love it. I love his, I love him. Yeah, no, that's I, a really I, good I film. Love, I only had like I one, I love Lamp, one yeah, issue I love with that film. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was a little like spoiler, but sure. Yeah, I, I love that film. He's, he is a master of his craft. It's a, I will say real quick, it's one, um, again, sex craft. Sex craft. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I got a UK, uh, a UK uh, import of that Blu-ray. Uh-huh. It has a director's cut on it that is actually twenty minutes longer than the US cut. Uh huh. So I, I'm Does, interested. Oh, to, you haven't I watched have, it. I haven't watched that version yet. I wonder so how it plays. Yeah, I'm interested to to check that version out. So you know, that's something I would like to uh, look at in the past. So that's number seven, and finally number six. Here I've got the Master, directed Ooh. by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's really good. So um, to me, uh. I, I've loved every movie that Paul Thomas Anderson has made in this right. decade. I mean, just, I love all his movies in Ditto. general. Ditto. Um, for me, this is, this was my favorite of those movies. Well, I think all of them are great. This is, this is a movie that I have seen twice. It's been a while since I've revisited it. Um, but I remember watching it each time. I think it's a very textured movie. There's a lot to try to take from that movie, um, to try and understand Joaquin Phoenix's character, trying to understand relationship with the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, all combining with, Kind of what um, his journey is in 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 life, I guess. But um, I think it's a beautiful movie, and uh, I love it so much. It's really hard to pick on his movies. It really is. Like, right. yeah, it's like 
you, you got the, what that Phantom Thread, right? And Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice. I love and that movie so and much. So that, and that's that's what I say too is um with, with Master I have seen twice with Inherent Vice and uh, Phantom Thread. Love them both. I've still only seen those once, so I have not got to rewatch both those movies. I'm interested to see what I how how what I will think of these this decade for him when I revisit all of them. We'll say all those films made my short list. Very yeah. nice. They're all. All great movies. I, yeah. I've He's only one seen, of our best working directors. I've only seen each of them once, but okay. each of those movies have not left my mind. Yeah. yeah. And that's how powerful those movies, all those are. Yeah. Very, yes, very much. So, yeah, so P.T. Anderson. Yeah. Master, he's a, yeah, no, he's one of the best directors filmmaker. working today. All right, Stacy, what are your uh, 10 through 6? So, just to, you know, because you guys gave love to some other films, um, it makes me really sad that uh, I couldn't find a spot for Fast Five or mm-hmm. the John Wick films or Inception or some some crazy yeah. porn films like 13 Assassins and I Saw Ooh, the Devil. That's fun. Yeah. Like, man, there's so many good. And there's stuff on my list that I know is going to be probably on your guys' list. You know, high art stuff that we, we don't need to talk about how great Carol is. We'll probably talk about it later. Spoiler alert. Um, Carol did not make my personal list. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's really good. Um, it's a I've movie heard. that the year it came out, again, one of my favorite movies that year. Um, it, it would be in my short list of like, it's somewhere in my top 20. But on this list was that, today... It, was that 2015? That was... 14 or 15. Somewhere in there. Yeah, I think uh, it, you're right. It hurt my heart that Paddington 1 or 2 didn't make my I list. Know. It... Uh, I, Lovely film. <laughs> I know I said Coco and Loving Miss. Yeah. But fuck those movies. And, <laughs> you know, and, and like crazy insane stuff like The Green Room or Mother. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. those are films that sure. I am down for. Sure. But anxiety started. Oh man, Green Room is. Yeah. Solinger, man. His films. Whoa. Number 10, Mandy. This was my number one film nice. from last year. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. I love this film. I I think it's just heavy metal beauty. So I haven't seen it, and I'm a metal boy. Oh, man. oh it's so good. I I think I've seen it three times now, and it's just beautiful pinks, and it it's an expression of just all the loves that he has. You know, you get like just Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Two, art house nonsense. It's Truly wonderful. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love, I love this movie. I've only seen it the one time. We talking about it uh, in depth. Yeah, in uh, from our, our last best, year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear a little more on that movie, uh, but uh, I mean, I love it. Good, great pick. I love that film. Number nine, Skyfall. Sam Mendes, twenty twelve. Uh, nice. One of the best Bond films, which Absolutely. makes it one of the best action films, and it is a film that I, I just think about all the time. Javier Bardem is one of the best Bond villains. Roger Deakins photography that that neon like building shootout in the middle of the yeah, film it's, it's some really great is a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Uh, it, it's my ending, personal favorite Bond film. The so. ending being so low key compared to what came before it, right? Masterstroke. Yeah, it's my right. second favorite. Second, C- or Casino, your first? Casino Royale. It's right so now. good. It's yeah, it's Casino Royale and Skyfall are like I keep yeah, flipping between those are the them. Two. It's yeah, like those and then the, the two Connery, uh, Goldfinger and From Russia with Love. Yeah, those are yeah. very good as well. Nice. Uh, number eight, pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, 2016. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> and it's one of the, it's the comedy this year that, or not this year, this decade, that I can pop in whenever and I'm going to laugh every time. It's yeah. like, it's 
this decade Step Brothers for me. Yeah. It's a great movie. You and know, the music's really good. It is. They're all great songs. Uh, number seven, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is from okay. 2018. Now, I do prefer Mandy as a film as far as my list goes from mm-hmm. you know 2018, but Spider-Man, I think it is the, and I think I said this then, it is the ballsiest animated film from a major studio since Fantasia. Like, the animation in it is just bonkers. The, the story that they're telling, they just, they don't care what you know about Spider-Man or, like, the surrounding, like, all the versions of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. They just throw you into the story and they're like, you have to keep up. And I think it's awesome when a movie trusts its audience because movies don't do that nowadays, especially, like, big studio films. And the fact that an animated film was just, like, um, multiverse and you know, time travel Mm -hmm. and all this nonsense. Like, here we go. This is what you're into. And it was a very personal story about the responsibility of growing up as a young black youth. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's always nice when a movie doesn't hold your hand and it like, lets the audience kind of just make their own assumptions. You didn't know the versions of the characters on the screen. As you know, I've I've never really read comics. Yeah, Um, you know Tobey Maguire. I know who Spider-Man is. Yeah. I I, I have no... Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) Get me Spider-Man. What are are these webs? I I don't know. Um, But, uh, you know, obviously, a character that I'm I'm familiar with, but I, like, I have no... I had no clue what any of this other stuff was, nor did I care while watching it because it all fits great. It's well done. Have you seen this? Oh, absolutely. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. I think it's probably my favorite Spider-Man adaptation. Uh, Yeah. But also, at the same time, I think that, you know, kind of adding on to, like, the lack of hand-holding, I think it's it's wonderfully adapted to what's going on in today's world. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, and I I think that it it adapts um, all of the comics that, you know, I haven't read either. And kind of just thrust you into this world, um, this really uh, kaleidoscopic, psychedelic type of uh, crazy animation uh, mixed with just so many uh, great moments. And yeah, it's got a really great message and I think it's really timely and I think it'll it'll transcend uh, all the other Spider-Mans. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I like a lot of the live action Spider-Mans, but this film works on another level as art. Mm-hmm. Good pick, man. Number six, and this was hard to not just put in the tops, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, 2014, Wes Anderson. I love this movie. I think it's his best crafted movie by far. Um, I think it is, we don't have to talk about it long. If, um, this will, will come up again. This will come up again. Oh, uh, how about that? Um, have a nice discussion. Yeah, so I think we all feel very similar about this film, and we will talk about it yeah. in much more detail later on. Absolutely. Um, since we finished our tops, I don't know how your drinks are looking. I have to pee like crazy. We're I'm about a, an hour into the show. I'm about empty, so let's fill our drinks up, take a pee break, and then we will get into the meat of the episode. Yeah. All right. So number five. Yep. Nathan will start us off. Who? Oh, you goodness. give me the signal when you're ready. Or are we recording? Oh, I've been recording. Okay. okay been sweet. recording the whole time. We're montage, back. Montage. Montage. Uh, <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're gonna get into our top five here. Yeah. You guys good with that? Yep. All right, well, so Nathan, you want to start us off? We're just gonna do this um, round robin style, sure. five, five, five for everybody, and four, mm-hmm. By, so oh, on. oh. Um, side note. Yes. I know we mentioned. Uh, I'm winking right yes, now. Yes. Yes. Um, I see your eye. 
Give me the <laughs> hand gesture of where. Is that really? <laughs> give me no. Give me the hand gesture where it's where it's located. That way we can talk at the same time. Oh yes. No, that's good. Yeah. If let's do that. If, if a movie appears, uh-huh. um, let's just talk it out then. Yeah. Interject. We can, we'll still when it comes around. Right. You know, we can still say so, what number. Sure. It was, but yeah, when it, if a movie comes up that is. Is we'll in, just we'll talk about it yeah, there. Let's talk about it then. No need to revisit. Yes, right. absolutely. Good so, point. Thank you. Speaking of that, uh, my number five pick will be Grand Budapest Hotel by okay. Wes Anderson. I'll go ahead and say it, it's my number four. All right, so pretty close. Yeah, and so we all it is six, six for me. Yeah, four, we five, all six. feel very, very yeah. similar. Very good. What do you got to say about it, Nathan? Um, so my background with Wes Anderson is when I was growing up. I never watched Rushmore or uh, Royal Tenenbaums or any of those. I did watch Life Aquatics. I believe that was my first um, exposure to Wes Anderson. Okay. I did not watch Fantastic Mr. Fox growing up, and then I watched Moonrise Kingdom, and I hated the precocious kids so much that I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch any of these movies anymore. Okay. So uh, fast forward to 2014, which is when this came out. Um I did not watch it in theaters, but I do remember uh, being at my apartment at the time with my two roommates, and they had been gone for the weekend, but uh, we had access to HBO um, because we'd been watching Game of Thrones then, and I do recall that movie uh, populating. I'm like, oh, what a really like really pretty image. Like, oh, Wes Anderson, nah, eh, I don't know if I want to watch this movie. And then I was like, okay, fine, I'll give it a chance. I watched it, and I was blown away. Uh, and ever since, it's been my favorite uh, Wes Anderson movie. I've seen every other. Okay. I've seen every other Wes Anderson movie. So this is your this is your yeah your favorite. I've, I started okay. with Bottle Rocket, okay. and then I went on. And okay. I've seen every one of them. Uh, I still uh, and I love Life Aquatic now. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, but yeah, no Wes Anderson, uh, really great director. I mean, obviously he's known for his quirky sensibilities and his color palette and his uh, interesting characters. Yeah, it's such a fantastic hilarious movie with so many in, insane scenarios yeah i love it yeah very good great pick like i said it's my number four um so obviously i'm a big fan um i will say i think this is his, his best directed movie he's made to this point yeah um and i just have um yeah it blows me away every time i watch it i've only seen it a few times i need you know it's one i i love revisiting um yes upon that so i've only seen it a couple times too and the reason is I know the in the Criterion's coming out this year. Yeah. Congratulations. And yeah. mm-hmm. here's the thing. I, with his movies, I will not buy them right. they until the Criterion out. comes out because I know within, like, was it, like, four or five years? Yeah, they have a deal with him where yeah, it, it will eventually come out on Criterion. So it's like, well, right. I'm not going to buy it. Like, if I want to watch it, I can sure. stream it. Right. You know, when I own it, it's going to mm-hmm. be the Criterion because yeah. that's going to come out and it'll be a better transfer and right. whatnot. Yeah. So, great, yeah. That's, great point. Yeah. Um, all of his movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like I said, I, I think it's his best directed movie by far. Now I will say that doesn't necessarily make it my personal favorite of his. I will always have a strong connection with Rushmore sure. and Roll Tenenbaums. Understandably. Um, I saw them when I was younger. They were big movies for me personally. Yes. So I can't say it's my favorite film, but I think it's his it's it's, it's his best movie that he's made when you look at it at, at, at a direction and at the, um, the images. Um, I think... Uh, his colors pop in this movie. I love his color palette. This is, I think, a big influence on some movies that would come after. As like when you think of something like Paddington Two, yeah. obviously 
it had a big um, my heart. Uh, <laughs> it, it took a lot of influence as far as like the prison stuff and also yeah. some of its color sequences. That's that so true. In palette. Something that both of those movies do really well, and Grand Budapest is like a masterclass in this symmetry. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. It, how he uses mm-hmm. his sets yeah. and the people that populate the sets to frame yeah. everything it, it's just wonderful. It is. It's very good. You get frames his, inside frames. His blocking is impeccable. Like I. Like, there are so many, like, just... Obviously, when you go into a Wes Anderson movie, like, there's going to be some interesting characters, no matter what. Adrian Brody makes me laugh very hard in this oh movie. Oh, my God, yeah. when he finds out about the painting. Absolutely. <laughs> um, William Defoe makes me laugh very hard in this movie. <laughs> obviously, the great Rafe Fiennes yeah, yeah. is oh, just... Great. I, I think it's one of his... For me, it's one of his best performances it, ever. It also feels like he's almost yes. making, like... It, it's, <laughs> a, it's a mash of, like, genre films... Um, because you kind of get like this the sensibilities of you know a nineteen twenties comedy with an Agatha yeah. Christie, yeah, the, yeah, with an Agatha Christie, <laughs> yeah. and then you have the menacing thing where um you know Jeff Goldblum's demise. It's right. very much like a horror film yeah. from the thirties, like the way it's shot. Yeah, and stuff. It, it's it's definitely also like a bit um, it's it's more mean spirited than anything he'd made up to this point, in my opinion. Like, there's some pretty vile and bloody things for Anderson in this movie. Like, you actually pretty see some harsh. pretty harsh deaths. You see um, some animal death as well. But um, it's all in a good time. It is in a good time. Um, other things I love about this movie, I love the different framing he does for each time period that happens through the movie. I also love the somberness of this movie. Um, just looking back on the past and what it means for the future. Um, I think that's a big thing in this film. I Yeah, that that's awesome. And... Ray Fiennes, man, his performance in this yeah. movie—it's like this movie in Bigger Splash mm-hmm. makes him one of my favorite performers yeah, yeah. of the decade. Great, like those two performances yeah. are gold. No, great point. I, I love, I love his performance in Bigger Splash as well. Yeah, but yeah, so these, good. I mean, oof, I haven't just, seen it. just it's you really should, good. You check that out sometime. I think you would. Okay. I think you Do you like the Guadagino? Movie. Were you a fan of uh, Call Me by Your Name? Oh, Guadagino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that might pop up later. Very nice. Yeah. We won't talk about Same. that too much. Um, but yes, uh, so, yeah, Ray Fiennes is so good. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a movie that hits all my, not only, like, image-wise for me, but also it's a movie that, again, it hits me somewhat emotionally sometimes because um, that end, um, it's somber. You know, yeah, like I said, um, and I, I think it's it's a very good mixture of all of his, uh, all of all of the quirks that Anderson has, all of his uh, different techniques. They all come to, together very greatly in this film. Another thing I think is important for these films that are like tops of the top, the rewatchability of this film oh is it's such a warm film. Yeah, it, you could just watch it anytime, and you're gonna have a good time no matter what. Right. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, that was. I'm glad we all got to discuss that. We all had similar feelings. So well done. Um, You're yeah. number five now. No all right, I'm up. I guess. Okay. So uh, my number five here is uh, Magic Mike XXL, directed by Gregory Jacobs. Uh, for me, this has nothing other than the. It is one of my most favorite entertaining movies I've seen over the last ten years. I've rewatched this movie like three times. Each time I watch it, I just get like. A feeling of, I'm having, a, uh, yes, my my uh, my nether regions are feeling good, obviously. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, 
there's not a lot of plot and there's not a lot of conflict. It's a movie mostly just about everyone having a good time and everyone loving each other. It gives a great respectability to everyone in the film, both men and women. Um, it's about just kind of making everybody feel good. Um, and I really respect that. Also, it has one of my just favorite all-time scenes over the last 10 years. The This would be the uh, Backstreet Boys song that happens inside a convenience store. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me laugh like nothing else. Um, and I love that scene so much. I love the choreography and the dancing in this, this movie. I love, like, the random set pieces it has. Like, there's a, uh, a point in the movie where they go visit uh, this kind of brothel of sorts but it's more than that like it's it's like a, a guy brothel almost like but it's for strippers where they're dancing for other women but they're just like praising them and making these women feel good and like it's their their job is to just uplift people and and know that like hey you know you may have a bad time in life other people may treat you bad but when you come here we're going to treat you right and we're going to make you feel good for the time that you're here hmm. I also love the end set piece so much where everybody's just dancing. I love Kevin Nash in this movie. He's a good time. Kevin Nash is awesome. Um, good time for him. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Okay, I, I won't say much other than then it's just, you know, it's great stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Have you seen the first one? I haven't seen either any Magic Mike, but... Both very good. Space we on... differ in opinion. I love sure. the first one. He loves the second one. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I think I love Cats. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Which yeah. is basically yeah. Magic Mike. So right. I think I think what we're trying to say mm -hmm. is everybody that love is all encompassing with these movies. Uh, love conquers all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, except uh, when it doesn't, because the entire premise of number two <laughs> is that nothing worked in one. That's true. Yeah, it, it takes it does kind of go its own way. Big time. Absolutely. XXL. Um, and it, it yeah, yeah kind of kind of uh, yeah. Sorry, Magic ma uh, Mr. Mike, you didn't end up with the girl from one. So, so yeah, sorry. You'll find that out in the first five minutes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it's just a, it's a movie that makes me feel really good, and, and I um, I have a great time watching it every time I watch it. So it, it's it's a favorite of mine. What can I say? All right. Always. Number five. For me? Are you ready? I am. Stacy. Are you ready? Five. I was My body isn't ready. Um, okay. Hot take, because everybody likes to hate this shit. Avengers from 2012. Oh, Joss wow. Whedon. Yeah. Um, so, you know how... I like to talk about the history of film and how mm -hmm. what's going to be important in 20 years. Boom. This movie is the most important film of the decade. That yeah. That's my hot take. I now, see. Social Network and Zero Dark Thirty are probably the most, like, of the decade. But this is the most important film of the decade. And it's also just a really fun movie. Mm -hmm. It's got a stupid B story, but it's fun. Yep. And that action scene hasn't been topped in their entire, like, film run that tracking shot is freaking phenomenal and i guarantee you 20 years from now when we're like movies that shot the where the camera goes around after the tracking shot after the and it goes around Marshall ali after that shot <laughs> will be the avengers the avengers you know the shot though yeah where it's all oh, the absolutely. avengers and the camera goes around them and it plays that music that shot is an iconic shot i think no, it's, and it's a good movie. I, I like this movie a lot, and I'm also going to cheat um, because you I got knew two you spots were going to cheat. Number five? I do. Avengers Endgame. Okay. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's going to be my favorite movie from this last year, but I just think it's impressive that they stuck the landing because no 
and I know people are like, there's a lot of hate for superhero movies and Marvel movies in particular because the they just print is, money. But the execution is so. But I think people forget that, like, outside of Iron Man, these movies were all risk when they started out. None of them grossed over two hundred million. Like they were all like I think one hundred fifty million for all these characters. So when Avengers came out. Nobody knew what to expect. And then the movie broke the record for opening weekend. And then it broke the record for, like, top gross. From then on, it became a massive hit. Yeah, everybody's hooked now. Everybody's hooked. And they've done something that's never been done in Hollywood before. Uh, serialized storytelling. It's something that they tried in the 30s and 40s with certain series. James Bond tried it for a little while until it changed actors. And then mm-hmm. it was like, well, the continuity doesn't matter. But, um... I, I think it's really impressive what they've done, and everybody's chasing that. Every studio right. is trying to find their continuity, like their Avengers. You had like Universal try it with the Dark Universe. It seems like they're doing it with the Fast and Furious series now. Well, Universal, uh, and also like DC, which is yeah, is Warner own, Brothers, yeah, Warner Brothers, which they you know they just keep fumbling, and right. then they've just decided not to do it, and they're just going to do movies as their own, which is great because. Yeah. We've gotten some good movies out of that. Aquaman right. is a beautiful cartoon yeah, brought really, to life. Really fun. Aquaman forever. Yeah. <laughs> but Shazam was a fun one. Too. Shazam is fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Avengers. I, I really dig the movie. Their casting, like Marvel casting is just phenomenal. They got all those guys right. Endgame is very satisfying. I I really enjoy the Marvel films. There are ups and downs in the series. Sure. But even the downs are sad like they're they're fun popcorn movies even you know when you get an iron man 2 or a captain marvel it's like yeah you know it's all right yeah i i didn't have a bad time i ate some popcorn so the same thought process came through my mind when i thought of marvel Uh uh-huh avengers 2012 was the one that i thought of because of how important it is for just like history on top mm-hmm. of the fact that it's the first, it, that was the first movie I watched five times in theaters. Like, and like from that point on, I've seen movies maybe uh, around the same amount of times. But for the most part, I, I had not ever thought of a movie that's so enjoyable that like, I could, like it worked. Like, and like you said, it's like, like these were like, oh, this was, this could be a risk. And then it finally worked. And then everybody was sold on this, on this, this these, uh, all these different characters that, uh, you know, now we have a pantheon of a, yeah. like, a, like, you know, like what we have like 40 ish characters. Yeah. Something like that. Well, There's, and I mean, that's too, you that's have these characters that, yeah. you know, when they're making, right. when they're making superhero movies, you know, it started with Superman and then you get Batman. It's like, okay, these are the two of the most iconic IPs of all time. Mm-hmm. And then Marvel, you you get your X-Men and Spider-Man. People know who those are. Spider-Man's just as famous as Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. But then you start your franchise, your massive franchise with Iron Man. That is a B character. His best storyline is from the 80s. Like, people don't... You know, he had a cartoon in the 90s, but it I think it only ran for a season. Like, awareness of Iron Man. Did you know who Iron Man was before the movie? Hell no. Other yeah. than playing him in Marvel. Ultimate Alliance games. Yeah, so, like, you know him from video games as a side character. Like, you know, Captain America, like, people know who that is, but that 
And then people know who the Hulk is. Yeah, people know who the Hulk. And, yeah. You know, he had a TV series with, you know, Lou Ferrigno and right. uh, Bill Bixby. And uh, you had that movie with Ang Lee, which is underrated, overrated. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> my roommate, he really likes that movie. and uh, Whatever side of the coin, you're... <laughs> But you in know, a sense, you know, in, in I think in a, an ironic sense. <laughs> Real quick yeah. on that movie, like, I remember hating that when I was younger. Uh-huh. It is a movie I'm interested in seeing again. I want to see it Mostly again, too. Visually interesting. I enjoy Ang Lee, so I just, I, I do, I would like And there's to see good performances, yeah. and it's like, you could see what he's going for, and like, oh, yeah, that's interesting, but then it's like, oh, there are giant mutant dogs in this. That's kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, I will say, um, Avenger, the first Avengers is my personal favorite it's my Marvel favorite movie. Yeah, um, same. You know, one of those reasons, you know, unlike you, I, I didn't I didn't have a personal connection with any of these characters growing up. Um, I just like the movie as a spectacle so uh-huh. much. It's one of the reasons, I know I will lose half of our audience right here, um, it's one of the reasons I love Transformers Dark of the Moon so much uh, because of that last hour, um, which I think Avengers um, The Battle achieves, for New York is that, that same level, level of, for you. of greatness of action right there. I, I think um, it's better so you know that's 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 one reason i love that Shop movie so much you know we can we good can editing. we can uh, we're not going to argue right now okay they're both we great. can all agree avengers is good it's i think movie. it's a highly rewatchable yeah. film too it's very enjoyable yeah. to just go back it's, and it's a good time and uh and we're all playing tetris right well now. Yeah. like yeah. i said uh, <laughs> that the battle for new york is, is great and uh that that's really like or a, did, big, a, a big selling point for me is it galica yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That man's playing... Galaga. Yeah, I think, I think it's so. Galica. Yeah, I think he's playing Galaga. It's our favorite movie. Forget what these these little... Indie- yeah, with Galaga. S.H.I.E.L.D. agent playing Galaga on the ship. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I will say real quick on Endgame, you know, everyone who has listened to us knows our both of our opinions on that movie. I like that movie a lot, and I... I we're going to talk I, about know, that movie in sure. a podcast down uh, the road. Yeah, it, it's, it's... I think it's a solid movie that... Um, you know, that I was not expecting to like the way I did. So, with that being said, I, I can't diss the movie because I enjoyed it. So, be interesting to see. It did brave, bold things. What's next? I mean, yeah. obviously, we got Spider Man. That's a fair question. But, so. like, we'll have to see where this next is. Inhumans and with Black Widow. And also yeah. incorporating right. the Disney Plus shows. Apparently. Yeah. A lot going and, on there. And yeah, so, um, yeah. interesting move. It's, Which you know, is, it's, um, I think it's interesting that people talk about it like the, it's this money-generating machine, which, you know, it is. But outside yeah. of Captain Marvel, they do weird things. Like, they gave Taika Thor. Right. And he made, like, a weird 80s cartoon space comedy. That revived Thor. Yeah. And Thor Dark World was, like, one of the more... Like, I, I think films. we can all agree the, the, that, like, Guardians... First, yeah, Guardians is... James Gunn. Guardians. Right. Um, like, that is an auteur yeah. series. I will, I agree with what you said. Like, the first two Thor movies, I could... Like, I like the first one. I, I, I I'm not fine. a fan of the production two, design. But... Um, it's, it's got some good Dutch stuff. angles. Yeah. I will, I will absolutely... Agree that the third one. I'm always like, down for Kenneth Branagh. Honestly. Definitely made me interested, and the, the third one did. So, take that for what it is. Right, and they're you know, fun movies. They're but really then you get movies. stuff like Black Panther that's like crazy socially relevant, and it's made yeah. by Ryan Cogler, who's an up and coming, yeah. you know, black director yeah. directing an all black cast. Yeah. You know, and the the truth fantastic the, film. The truth of the matter is, uh, I'm glad you. You brought these movies up because you know I would. Um, and now we have some because the the fact of the matter is, um, at least in Hollywood speaking, like 
the Marvel universe was a big thing about this these last ten years. So I mean, most important, you, you can't movie thing. This you decade. can't not um, acknowledge it. At all. Acknowledge its existence and its popularity in our country. I mean, I mean, in other countries, in the too, world. But, no, right, no, trust yeah, me. Absolutely. Trust country. me. When I was in China, yes, the, the discussion of Captain America and Iron Man was very high. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I saw everywhere. And I also yeah. saw that anytime we would talk about uh, movies, in right. uh, any, any relation to America, mm-hmm. they, that's one of the things they'd bring up. Sure. How would they talk about Captain America? Just they, a- they liked Captain America quite a bit, but I don't know fully uh, if they understood um, the context of what they enjoyed. That, does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't think they fully understood. Other than maybe it was a, a big piece of inter- popcorn entertainment, for right? Them. Well, let me explain it another way. Um, so, like, there, it, it's not, it's not superly, it's not super. Well, uh, if I, I've had alcohol, uh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, have. yeah. Uh, it's not our, super unknown. Our shows gradually get worse. I, I mean, I, I mean, I the, the episode themselves. As, oh, I as see. the more we drink, the more it gets a little muddled. I say better. Maybe I, better. I think it's better. Maybe better. I misspoke. I'm sorry, everyone. But I think it's a pretty common knowledge that there are some forgery uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to some brands in China, and it's uh, it's gotten better uh, since like the 1990s. But um, one thing that I, I saw plenty of times over there was the misspelling of many brands. Mm-hmm. And different things okay. that they were wearing, English words and what and whatnot. And I will say, I don't think that some of the people who were wearing this were fully aware of what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. They just it was aesthetically cool, yeah. right? So, for instance, um, I had a conversation about uh, KFC because mm-hmm. KFC is really big over there. Um, it's huh. a little bit uh, more expensive for them because it's an import. But on top of the fact that, like, you know, obviously in America, like KFC, uh, we don't, right. it's not really that popular anymore. Take um, it or leave it, you know? Right. If you're driving by one and you need some food really bad. <laughs> there it is. But it's not really, yeah, just a bucket of chicken. Yeah, sometimes I crave a bucket of chicken. I like, I, I crave Popeye's more, I guess. Yeah, I like That's Popeye's more. Saying. Yeah. But my, my point is that <laughs> I, I asked them if they knew what KFC, what, like what it was, what it meant. And they didn't know, nobody mm-hmm. knew. And then I asked other people that, and then they, I'm like, okay, well, it, it actually means Kentucky Fried Chicken. And then, like, Kentucky is a state mm-hmm. in the United States. And then, like, here's Colonel Sanders, who's, here's this person. Like, right. you see his face, mm-hmm. you recognize the symbol, but you really don't understand the significance of what mm-hmm. that sure. stands for. And I think it's the same thing going back to what we were talking about earlier that I forgot. Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. So the like the idea of Captain America. I don't think they fully understand because I, they're not I, from America. Yeah, I know that Marvel movies are popular worldwide, and I know China's the biggest film market outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. But when you say Captain America, you know, is popular over there, I find that interesting because it, it is such a um, it, you know he's fighting for the the baby boomer ideal of what democracy is supposed to be. You, right. We don't need to talk about you know if that's lost or not. And, sure. You sure. Know, but yeah, what no, not? What his significance? He was created as propaganda to get people to buy war bonds yeah. and um, fight the Japanese and Hitler. So I, I I don't know. I I find that interesting that you know he'd be popular overseas. Oh yeah, very popular. So yeah, 
bringing up Avengers is a, it's really that was a that was a good move, and I think that's a it's a good choice. Very nice pick. All right, Nathan, you're number four. All right, this is where I cheat. All right, <laughs> very nice. Hey, I'm, you know what? We're all gonna have a cheat on this uh, episode. So, in fact, I feel bad that it's number four. Like I said, um, I'm gonna repeat it every time, but I, I really don't like to put any order to these ones. Uh, in particular, but I will say there's a three-way tie for me okay. for these movies because I'm in love with this director and I cannot wait to okay. see the production that's about to happen that's about to happen in two parts. Okay. Can you understand? Can you know where I'm going with I this? I think I do. Denis Villeneuve. Yes. Mm, the, yes. Uh, the three movies I'm talking about are Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, and Prisoners. I went back in time. Very nice. Very but nice. those three films, yeah. um, plus Sicario... Um, are movies that are just so fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk about each one of them in a different way, but um, I guess I'll I'll lead it with Blade Runner. Um, this is like this might be my favorite, and I'm putting this in quotes because you can't see it, but mm-hmm. sequel okay. that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I when I'm in, I'm I mean by that uh, all respect to Empire Strikes Back. But uh, there is like it's it's it gets a separated entity, so much so that it it, right. it, it complements the other film and it complements the fact that Ridley Scott made this one, Denis Villeneuve made this one, and uh, they work in the same universe and it gets it, totally believable and they have totally different focuses and it works so beautifully well and it has it's an under. I, if you know, we were going back to these like this montage of like what's gonna really uh, be uh, talked about in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie that's gonna be talked about, and and I know that sci-fi movies are not really touted as you know, especially with the Academy, they don't really nobody really cares for those ones. But I I absolutely love this movie. And speaking of sci-fi, going from that, uh, Arrival, right? Mm-hmm. Another movie about um, science fiction. In the sense of, of language acquisition, I'll go ahead and say Arrival is my personal favorite of his. I really like Arrival a lot. It was on my short list. Very nice, very nice. Continue, sorry. And then the last thing is Prisoners, which I have a poster of. Nice. I also have a poster of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But Prisoners <laughs> is a really dark film, mm-hmm. um, not just in the uh, the lighting aspect because it's a dark movie, um, but in the, in the in the narr- narrative itself. And some really fantastic performances by Paul Dano, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and uh, I, Hugh, Jack- Jackman, Hugh Jackman. I really like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in that film. Yeah, um, Prisoners is is a movie that I did have some issues with, but I I enjoy like I've always enjoyed like kind of procedural films, and right. I think it doesn't like I think the mystery is interesting in that film. What stands out to me in my memory of that film is. Near the end of the film, when Jake Gyllenhaal is driving through the rain, right, and it's getting to where Hugh Jackman's figuring out what's going on, mm-hmm. the editing there and the cinematography. Did Deacon shoot that? It was somebody that shot that of renown. Deacon's has done some of his movies. I'm wanting to say he did, but let me double check on it. Because so I am pretty here. like that movie's beautifully shot. It is very much yeah. so. Didn't he also do Enemy? Didn't he no- Yes, he did. Which he did it. That is a very yeah. Good. That movie is really cool. And honestly, if we were talking about two thousand and nine or two thousand, well, I could talk about Incendies too, which is a really fantastic. Uh, Deacons did shoot prisoners, by the way. Yes, uh, I could talk about Incendies as well. 
I, uh, that is, I've never seen his uh, foreign yeah, language film. It's, yes. it's amazing. Um, but my point is, Blade Runner probably being my favorite, where Arrival might be yours. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Dune quite a bit. Me too. Yeah, what yeah. a and, freaking good cast. And like you said, it's going to be in two parts, parts from what, I, what I'm... What I, I'm I think yeah. that's yeah yeah and so I yeah honestly this may this man has not uh, missed any of his movies they've all been fantastic um, kind of like we mentioned a little earlier with Paul Thomas Anderson uh, like yeah I don't think this guy can do he's a guy wrong. that works very well for you I, um, I'm a little mixed on him sure but I I will I am always there for his movies like because I think he has an eye so like I will always watch his there are some I like better than others but I will always be there for him. I am super excited for Dune. Timothy Chalamet as a Atreides. That's exciting. I haven't seen the David Lynch or read the book. Oh, so. okay, okay. I do recommend I watching the David Lynch just to get, like, you'll be more excited for the new one coming out if you watch the David Lynch one because that is a mess of a movie. It's a strange film. I think I'll, I'll. I think I will do both. I'll read nice. it and I also will watch it. I will say, in regards to the David Lynch film, because we watched that together, neither of us really liked it too much. Yeah. But Carlos Rambaldi, mm-hmm. who is the man who's responsible for bringing the alien to life in Alien, right. um, the the wonderful uh, yeah. mechanics in the face, he does the effects work in the original Dune. And those worms look really yeah, cool. That's, and those uh, aliens look awesome too. That's one I would be very much interested to rewatch because I have, like you said, we, yeah. we watched it. It's been Rambaldi's effects. It's been a number of years ago. So Thumbs up, everyone. That. Yeah. Yes. Thumbs yeah. Up. Hey, you know, 70s King Kong masterpiece? No comment. <laughs> no congament. That was a stretch. All right. Uh, Good picks, Nate. Yeah, good yeah, picks, well man. Well done, sir. All right. Number four. All right. Um, so my number four, we're not going to talk about because we've already discussed it. I'll just remind everyone that it was the Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson. Or we we said our piece, so you that's can, my number four. You can check in, but you can never leave. Exactly. <laughs> Lay your hands off my lobby boy. Please. Stacey, what's your number four? My number four. <laughs> so in this pick, it is all... You know how I talked about a bunch of like foreign action films made my short list. Uh oh. This is I can the, see where this is going, maybe. This is like this is my top. It's not my favorite at any given time because any of these could be my favorite, but I feel like this film represents where this went and like where it came from. You know, where'd you come from? Where'd you go? Where do you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? I feel like this film is very um, influential on current action films, especially the John Wick series. Uh, this movie is The Raid. I knew it. 2011, knew it. Gareth oh, Evans. So, um, so this movie is awesome. There's not much story here. And I also, I know, Nolan, you don't like this movie, but The Raid 2, I also love equally. Um, the Raid is a much simpler I'm not plot heavy film. Raid Two is more of his like love song to the Hong Kong sure. crime thrillers. Sure. This is just straight action. And if you want to see beautifully shot action where people punch each other with knives in their hands, the Raid is where it's at. It is an hour and a half of just straight adrenaline. 
It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's amazing. I, and I, I all of those like guys, those three leads have become international stars. Absolutely, yeah. Like, Eco is... He's popping up in everything from Star Wars to uh, movies with The Rock in it. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in Stuber. Right. Um, he's I all like over Stuber. the place. I like Stuber. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but yeah, I, man, I love The Raid. And, you know, for me, it's like... Like I said, this is my pick films that I talked up earlier. Raid 2, I Saw the Devil, 13 Assassins, freaking Drug War, Johnny Toe. Man, um, Tokyo Tribe. I love all of... Freaking international action films have been so freaking good this decade. Drug War, man, watch that movie. I would like to say, if if anyone has never seen a Johnny Toe film, do yourself a favor and watch some Johnny Toe films. Because he... He, he, You'd say Drug War is the place to start, right? It's that yeah, perfect I mean, marriage of action that's and a drama. Movie, like, that's not going to let you down. Like, Drug War is very... You know, I, I, I think Drug War... Uh, this isn't your pick, sorry. But, no. <laughs> like, but Drug War is in the vein of, kind it was of like some list. of the best of, of like... I would compare to someone who's not familiar with him. It's got a Michael Mann vibe. Yeah, how the okay. violence is it, used. It's got... Um, um, so two phenomenal action yeah. scenes... And it has one of the most suspensefully acted right. just sequences of people yeah. talking. And the fact that, like, that translates from, you know, um, was it Japanese? Yeah. To English that you can, like... And I know that, like, we watch films, you know, we see Wong Kar Wai films, and we recognize, like, Tony Lung is phenomenal in this film. Right. But um, to, like, you know, see a foreign film and, like, you know, you're reading the dialogue, but also, like, the performance, like, you feel everything that's happening, and Drug War's phenomenal in that aspect. Um, yeah. Yeah, Drug anyway, War's fantastic. Sorry, but yeah, I just had it. Yeah. Johnny- like I said, this is a love song to all the yeah, foreign action sure, films, sure. and The Raid is just my top of the pile right now. Well, it, like you said, it's got so many influences after the fact. Um, I just so want something to... something like Dread... Which yes. is like oh, a, yeah. almost, yeah. almost exactly um, like like this is exactly what this movie is, is for America. Can I make right. a quick, Which is um, great movie real too. quick? Yeah, I love Dread. Um, yeah. Johnny Toe. I'm sorry, Hong Kong. He's not Japanese. Um, he's from Hong Kong. So I just wanted to before not cross. You know, the I didn't want us yeah, to be idiots. So I just no. Wanted. I appreciate that. <laughs> when you're drunk, it's and you and you're when we're just riffing off each other. It's hard to. Uh, but speaking of Japanese sometimes. films, Tokyo Tribe's really freaking awesome. There you go. Also, uh, Outrage. Um, Give me these lists after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 13 uh, Assassins. Would, oh, oh my God. A what a movie. great that's movie. A good movie yeah. That's the best modern samurai film, in my opinion. That's a good one. Um, that's so good. Yeah. Freaking Assassin. Yeah. That movie is awesome. Yeah. You know, Shadow from this year. Oh, uh, Shadow's so as, phenomenal. We're just shouting out movies here, and I Talk love it. Um, as, <laughs> uh, International action. I wish I could have had room on my list for uh, How Shoshin's The Assassin. That is a beautiful, a beautiful movie that I would like to very much rewatch. That shot by the waterfall, it. man. Very good. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, great pick. Um, I enjoy the first Raid movie. I know we have our differences with the second one, but it. The second one is a masterpiece. Um, I will say that I am with you on the first one. I think I, I think I like the first one the most. Still, it's very simple, and there's a beauty in that. But have you ever seen a man jump through a window and kick another man in a moving vehicle? Ray two. The, not since the Ray two. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom stall fight. Yeah. Mm. Great movies. So much fun. Foreign action films. 
And there's like two or three stupendous foreign action films that come out every year. You should go to your local art house cinema or track them down. Like the night comes for us. That was from last year. Um, that's the, I, I can't think of the dude's name, but he directed headshot. He works with eco and um, the other lead uh, from the raid who plays his brother. Um, they're in that movie and it is, it's as gory as any slasher film I've ever seen. And it's well shot action. Um, I would like to give a shout out to um, First Love uh, that came out in 2019. Yeah, so no, man. Um, we were talking. Um, that No, that's by, uh, um, my mind's not right, but um, the director of 13 Assassins. Oh. Um, Takashi. Yeah. Takashi Mikey. Thank you. Yeah, yeah yes, so uh, no did a Netflix film. film. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a film out this year. Yeah. yeah all of these directors. Yeah. A lot of good up. stuff. Very good Freaking Blade of the Immortal. Yeah, that was so much. That's a fun movie. That's my Kinchin love. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. So. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, good pick, Stacey. Thank you. Uh, all right, moving on. Nathan, what's your number three? All right, so number three. Um, this is my favorite horror movie of the decade. Uh, I think it set a precipice for the horror movies that we have seen recently. And I think uh, it came at a really great time. And that movie is The Witch. Starring Robert Eggers. Uh, Robert, well, not starring. Uh, Robert Eggers. Robert is, Eggers. Yeah, is the director. <laughs> He's not in the movie. Hey, like I said, you know, we, we've all been drinking. Things are just going to continue ah. to mumble here. Um, just bear with us. We'll make it. What is that called? You're talking about the main actress yeah. in the movie? On Taylor Joy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's great. She's very attractive. So, yes, yeah, tell, well. tell yeah. us why you love The Witch so much. Oh, Nathan. my God. Where to start? Um, so, I'm a big fan fangirl of this movie okay uh yeah. i love this movie so much i have a black phillip t-shirt nice. i have the the witch soundtrack um but uh, with the movie the performances in this movie um aka the vich the vich mm-hmm. um <laughs> i don't know honestly which joy does a really fantastic job and so does every other cast member in this movie um the, I, the names are escaping me i know the husband is in game of thrones at least um British actor, uh, but and Nolan is looking that up for me. But I will say, and also I, oh, um, what's her name? She, um, shoot, you watch Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Um, His name, Tully. by the way, Ralph Tully. Innocent. The, uh, she is the, she is the, um, oh my goodness, alcohol. Her name um, is a Kate Dickey. A Kate, Kate Dickey? Played uh, Catherine, is, I believe, uh, the uh, wife. Yeah, but no, I'm saying her, mm. that actress... Yes, she is um, the why are uh, the um, Aunt Liza in the Eerie in the, yes yes in yeah. The yeah yeah so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so but my my point is the witch is such a fantastic atmospheric psychological trip of, of a movie that yeah. I have never seen before and I remember exactly where I was when I watched it I watched it at the Ozark B and B theater nice um, yeah, yeah. and uh, this was in 2013. The Ozark, uh, Ozark's version of the Alamo. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> I, I hope it stays alive for a little bit. I, I Random thing about that theater. I At my job, like two years ago, I received a gift card to that place for like 15 bucks that mm-hmm. I still have yet used. Just a random. It's hope, not that far of a drive. It's ten minutes. That's true. I've yeah, never been there. Well, we get, I've never well, gone to that we get spoiled with like Moxie uh, and Alamo. So. I, I am so sorry to interrupt you. I just, oh, I no, just no. wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, uh, the witch. Um, 
yeah, I think it's kind of set up this new age of horror films that we see now. And for better or for worse, there's a lot of people who are detractors of these movies. But I think it really opens up the door for people who aren't into horror movies. Or maybe they're more into uh, maybe art house or uh, dr- like dramas or films that really you wouldn't originally think as horror movies. But like, right. you know, and it tackles things that are both real and imagined. Right. Mm-hmm. And those those real imaginers like anxiety or mental health, like in hereditary um, mixed with like, you know, uh, faith and then like, this, you know, like sins mm-hmm. in the witch. Right. And right. where that leads in, in the movie itself. Um, there's just there's so many really fantastic things about this movie and it is never escaped my mind. And I love this movie. I love the movie as well. Um, I don't. Do you, do you have horror movies in your tops? No, but I like this movie quite a bit. Can we have a greater conversation shortly? Sure. About the decade in horror. Yeah, this has been a great decade it's been for a horror damn films. Good, damn yes. good decade. Um, so you have all the A twenty four stuff coming out, right? Um, which is fantastic, and you get all these new auteurs. Um, you know, Eggers and um, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari also, Aster. Uh, the new director. Uh, Edward Schultz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. It follows. Yeah. Or no, 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 no. He not did. It, it comes he, at night. It comes at yeah. night. And now Hansel and Gretel just came out. Which yes. I haven't seen yet. Um, he also did Black Coat's Daughter. Did he do that? I think so. Hold yeah, on. I Hold on. on. Yeah. We're getting yeah. muddled here. Time out. Time. Did you call an official timeout? Yeah. Edward Schultz just did the one. He did. Uh, it comes at night. It comes at night. And Black Coat's Daughter and. Hansel and Gretel are a different, different director. Let me find that director real quick. <laughs> I know the Hansel and Gretel director. No, no, White no. Coat's daughter. No, no, no. Trey Edward Schultz is the one who did Waves. Yes, he I'm did I'm thinking waves. of something, something different. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Oz Perkins. Oz yeah. Perkins, thank you. Okay. Oz Perkins did Black Coat's daughter and the new Greta Hansel and, Gretel. and Hansel. Yeah. Uh, but talking about like horror, even like mainstream horror, so you have... um. You know, Jordan Peele has shown up as oh a horror goodness. director, yeah. and he's working, he's doing stuff for major studios. You know, Blumhouse has come out as, like, this production house. Um, Conjuring, I think, is one of the best films of the decade. Yeah, it would make my short list. Yeah, it's good. That is, I know you personally don't get freaked out or, or scared yeah. that much. I will say for me personally, The Conjuring is the last movie that terrified the hell out of me. And mm. I think what's cool about these films is they they really are going back to a style from the late 60s and 70s, um, where horror was so... There was so much of it. And, and, and we say, like, horror goes away, but that never happens. There's always so much always horror there. films. Sure. Absolutely. Um, it's just discovering them. Um, this was more... It's more ethereal now. Yeah. And it's, it's more of, like, this dread that you can feel. So it's like, you know, um, yeah, Nos, it, Nosferatu remake. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, during the 70s. Yeah, was it seventies? Yeah, it's seventies. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, also, one. like if you see, like for instance, uh, you know, talking about Luca Guadagnino, uh, Suspiria right. is another movie right. that um, which yeah. I was personally a big fan of. I sure. I love that movie. Yeah, uh, I, so, I did not like it. That's real fine. quick, that's, that's just me. But. As we mentioned, it follows. We didn't say that director. Yeah, David yeah. Robert Mitchell. Didn't it yeah. 2009, follows, though? Um, what's that? Two thousand nine. Uh, that was twenty fourteen. Damn. 
Did yes. he follow that up with Under the Silver Lake? Is that the same? I still, yes. yep. still haven't seen. Went it. a completely okay. different direction. Yes. Um. So, but then you get like major like franchises getting rebooted, like Halloween. I know that like David Gordon Green, he's sure. sort of an art house director. I know he's done some stoner comedies and stuff. It's a fun movie. I like the yeah. new Halloween. I know I you don't too. like it too much, but we're we're getting like follow-ups on these series or like different takes i will say we can agree that it's better than what the franchise has done for a little while right it's very pretty in that freaking tracking shot sure. yeah it's, it's been an interesting year i think or, or interesting year a year interesting decade for war and uh you, you know got good stuff like your next the guest sure sure Hounds of love movies. yeah invitation yeah um there yeah the invitation that's a evil dead that, remake uh, yeah there's been a lot of good stuff, and uh, yep. you know, uh, girl walks home alone at night. Yeah, um, yeah. under the shadow. Mm, yep. Yeah, that yeah. movie's really good. Yeah, Babadook. Yeah, Babadook's awesome. Very good. Yes. Yeah, it. I I think that the this decade has been very kind to the genre, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's just going to be a genre that grows in respect yep. with these art house directors. Yeah. I, I'm I'm you know I'm definitely interested to see what a lot of these guys do next. Um, Guys like Ari Aster, mm-hmm. like Robert Eggers, I, I've I've really enjoyed what they've done. I, I I think we're getting some very interesting voices um coming out in this in this last number of years. Well, so. we we some of these films have seen uh, critical acclaim. You know, Eggers uh, his film is nominated this year, The Lighthouse for cinematography, sure. deservingly so. Beautiful. We talked yeah. about a little yeah, bit last looking. year. Yeah, uh, Get Out was nominated for oh, Best sure, Picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and I do think as yeah. um, these directors and this this sort of movement for this art house indie horror grows, yeah. studios come into play with that. Yeah, sure. I, I think that we're going to get films that are genre that are going to yeah. be more recognized on a critical yeah. level. And, and they're saying that these movies do have an audience. Mm-hmm. They do make money. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep, I think we're going to keep getting very cool stuff. Yeah, very and, original stuff. And it seems so, like horror movies yeah. haven't been this well respected since the seventies, you know, yeah. with Rosemary's baby in the late sixties, mm-hmm. uh, night of the living dead and, you know, exorcist kind of capping that off. Yeah. Mm. And quick shout out also uh, with peel, like a movie that probably, you know, we're not going to talk about a lot today, but us also, oh, I think is a very good, good movie as well. Visually so, like, wonderful. Yeah. So I like a lot of interesting Lupita movies and, and directors coming out here. So it, Great point. Um, yeah. Last thoughts for me. Uh, I'm looking forward to the lodge. Yeah, that looks really good. Um, That's got a uh, screening at the Alamo next week. Yeah, Q and A. And then the other thing I wanted to say was I'm calling it first on the podcast. Okay. And I, this has been my prediction. Here we go. Since first I take heard, here. since I heard that uh, Eggers is going to do Lighthouse, you know, first. I'm thinking. That the hundredth year anniversary for Nosferatu mm-hmm. will be pioneered by him because I think he will direct the new next Nosferatu, and I think he will direct it in the in the fashion of the original. The original. And oh, I say that because I know that before the lighthouse came, there was rumors that he might direct a Nosferatu film. And he's that like, would be excellent. And so he he kind of I think he shelved it, but I don't I don't exactly know. But I'm thinking. A uh, hundred years from now, I think uh, Nosferatu was 1922. Yes. And so I'm thinking in two in two years from now that that movie's going to come out. It's, it's going to do be, a follow-up well, for Nosferatu. It's going to be from him. Everyone who's listening, if Nathan gets this right. Calls a shot. Props to you, sir. This happens. 
Seek my things. Hey, we'll still be podcasting. So nice. we're going to come on and do a show about we'll it. We'll be here. Okay. All right. No one. Three. All right. So uh, number three, this is my uh, uh, only tie of my top five okay. here. Okay. So I've got two films here. Uh, these are both directed by Martin. But, uh, I'm starting to get a little horn here. I'm sorry, everyone. These are <laughs> two films directed by Martin Scorsese. Silence and the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Uh, I think Martin Scorsese's had a hell of a decade. He hasn't made a bad film for me. Like I know I talked earlier about Irishman, these two movies, and along with uh, something like um, Hugo, Hugo, and then uh, the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he's lost his mind. A Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Thank oh you. yeah, all there. I enjoy all those movies. For me, these are his two best movies of the decade. Mm -hmm. They're also very different in their style and approaches, um, which Marty can do. Um, The Wolf of Wall Street reminds me of like, like Marty's getting up there in age, but like for me, this is a movie that has so much youth to it. Youth, so much excitement, so much energy. Very good. (laughs) It's a movie that uh, like, I have actually, I haven't rewatched it, but I remember having such a reaction to it. That makes me laugh very much. You should pop it in anytime. Uh, yeah. Oh, like, it's so good. It's a movie, both of these movies I can't rate, wait to rewatch, but um, The Wolf of Wall Street is just so energetic. And then when you look at Silence, differing to that, it's a very meditative film. It's very much a um, an, an experience of what you believe is up to you. But, like, you know, for me, it was very much a faith oriented film about, um, you know, where how far are you willing to go for what you believe in that sort of thing um people look at it as kind of like an end of like a certain thing of a faith faith trilogy for him with um the last temptation of christ and kundan um but it's a movie that greatly affected me and what's great about marty is he can have these different um approaches to film and they both work an extremely high level for me so i love them both so much is Andrew Garfield the most underrated actor of the decade? Like, I think people sure, think sure. that maybe he's not too good because of the Spider-Man movies, but, like, Silence right. and Hacksaw Social Ridge. Network. And Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. Which was good. He's good in the movie. Yeah. he. I, I think Andrew's a very underrated actor. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, he's very good in the movie. He's, he's great. Um, I personally also... I love Liam Neeson in that movie. Liam Neeson's very good. I always get up for Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver is thank you is very good in that movie. He is one of the best working actors right yeah, now. He is doing um, such great work. Right like now. Um, between like yeah. Star Wars and his indie films. Yes. Um, so Patterson. I mean, for me personally, Marty is on a a great role, which is like such. It, it's really encouraging to think of someone at his age and he's still like, for me, he had three movies in my top ten, which is weird. I, I, I mean, it's hard to fathom that like someone is, his age is still making masterpieces. The guy in my tax driver in 75. Right. And um, I just, I hope he can keep it up for as long as he can. Well, I'm sure he can. You know? I and, mean, as long as he's interested. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street has an energy to it that yeah. is... And it's funny because we'll talk about a movie later about an old man making a film with energy. There you go. But, uh, spoilers. But, uh, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street has more energy 
and just wackiness than most comedies do from yeah. the decade. It had me. It's they're highly are, entertaining and rewatchable. Yes. There are yeah. moments in that film BD. that have me rolling. Yeah. Um, the Quaalude scene in particular is oh. like some of the best physical comedy I've seen in quite some time. That movie, um, Leonardo DiCaprio is on top level in that He's film. Great. Jonah Hill's great. Jonah Hill's very good in that movie. Like, you know, obviously, like for me, these are masterpieces, so I don't have a lot of negativity to say on on them so like i love margot robbie margot robbie's great i think that was that the the really the first time that jonah hill like kind of got reevaluated moneyball oh yeah that's true, right true. Yeah, yeah moneyball which is yeah. a great film yeah, but great yeah that was he was still still not to be funny guy yeah right? not to be unsensitive but he was fat jonah still in moneyball <laughs> but he was serious actor right, sure yeah mm-hmm. i think he was nominated for moneyball was he nominated for wolf that I can't remember. And now he made mid nineties, which was awesome. I haven't seen that. I one didn't yet. see that movie either. Oh, you have. I should check yeah, that that's, one out. That's, that's uh, super cool. Nathan, any thoughts on on Silence or Wolf of Wall Street? Um, like you said, uh, those are very different style yes. films. Um, one which I can visit more often than the other, but at the yeah, same time, sure. both um, sure. are very thought provoking. I I love them both. Um. I have a friend uh, that Silence was his favorite movie of uh, of that year. Okay, uh, and so I can completely understand that, and I, I had a pretty emotional connection with that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we already mentioned it a little bit earlier with Hidden Life, but like you know, it's it's one of those movies that uh, I, it made me think of you know going back to Last Temptation of Christ mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I just a it's a mature Scorsese. Or like he's he's tackling this issue again in a different context, but at the same time looking at it from the angle of uh, this, you know, right. it, it's something with I, I think he's continued to look at a lot through his career mm-hmm. um, because he's been openly um, critical, critical, adamant about his struggle of faith that he's had. He's he's right. claimed that he's a lapsed Catholic, um, and it's something that I I find with him is like when he explores those subjects, I think he does it very well. Um, I know that we have, we, I don't know if you still feel this way. We had somewhat different opinions, but about like how Christian or I still this read movie the, is. the same way. Sure. Um, I, I think it's up there with exorcist as yeah. far as like strong foundation for Christianity. Right. And that's not to say that the filmmakers who made those films believe that. And honestly, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I feel like your thoughts on like faith and stuff doesn't. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have to inform. Yeah, I get film. I get a more Andre Rublev vibe from what? Silence. Yeah. Okay. And personally, I, you know, I have not seen that. My film. thoughts are with with Silence, and the reason I the reason I and I am of my, me personally, I do believe in God. I have a faith to me, um, but I have talked to talked to and heard people who are atheists, mm-hmm. and they had a strong reaction to that film. So, like, what I take away from that film, even though I have a different thought than them, is that, and you can expand on this, on, on your thoughts. Sure. But our, what their opinion was is, kind of like what I talked about with Hidden Life, is what you believe in or what your stance is, um, be strong <clears throat> in that stance. Right. I'm an agnostic myself. Um, I grew up Christian, was an atheist Pretty early on in college, and 
now I'm more agnostic in the sense that I, I and that's what I love so much about silence. I don't claim to know whether or not God speaks or, or exists or et cetera. Right. And so that fact that humans will do what humans do regardless and cultures will do um, different things based on that unknown mm-hmm. on top of the fact that, you know, like these, these, these things are, are cruel in the eyes of us, right? But mm-hmm. we don't know what the plan is overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's something that will always pervade our thoughts, and I think that's what made Silence so interesting for me. And I and I loved it because I've always had that struggle of faith myself. Sure. And so I can I can understand that Scorsese's struggle. Yeah, myself. I don't want to get too in depth on my personal stuff because it's probably more reflective of like like first reformed it's mm-hmm. probably more on how I think about things. <laughs> so it's a deep, dark hole of yep. just awfulness. Mm-hmm. I do think in silence, um, <clears throat> I think the resolve of the character, I find that to be very impactful. And regardless of what you think about like faith and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. I do think Christianity on a base level, if you just take it as what the name is, the right. teachings of the Christ, mm-hmm. It's actually a really good thing. It's just that we put all of our stupid stuff mm-hmm. in that and kind of pervert it. But there are movies that get that message across, like, the, the purity of it. And while, you know, it's hard to say how pure things are in silence because, you know, you are dealing with imperialism and all this other nonsense. Um, the fact that the character keeps his faith throughout all of his trials, um, you, you could see it almost as, like, similar to the story of Job. Mm-hmm. you know, being challenged with his faith. And I do think that um, the film as a work of exploring faith is as powerful as something like The Exorcist, which I think is the greatest Christian film ever made. Also something like, and I know people probably show this film now because of the filmmaker, but Dogma, I think is actually a profound work of art I love Dogma. in regards to Christianity. Um, I don't shit on Smith. Also, like, Last <laughs> Temptation of Christ was is also, like, you know, from the same, same filmmaker. And this is a film I just discovered this year, or you know, I guess last year by the time of this recording. I think it is interesting that, you know, somebody who does say that he is a lapsed Catholic, mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting that he is exploring these themes of, like, Christianity and what that means. And in Last Temptation of Christ, he explores the life of the Christ. Christ is man what that means and I, I i don't know i i find that silence is a great companion piece for yeah. that yeah, i know it's too. a remake of a film right which i have not seen the original film but i do think that this film at, on its own um it stands as you know tall's last temptation which is an important film you know for the time when it came out uh, real quick a remake of the uh, shinoda film from 1971 okay. and this was a last thing i'll say this was a passion project for Marty, something he'd been wanting to make for quite some time. Yeah, and I finally heard. he was able to make it. So, so we were talking about rewatchables out of those two films. You yeah. were talking about silence because you love to see um, foreigners crucified in the ocean and to how? drown, right? I'm an awful person. Repent. <laughs> nah, we just kidding. We love drugs and uh, Margot Robbie and all that other good stuff. Cocaine forever. Coach Kyle Chandler. Quaaludes. Quaaludes, Quaaludes. Quaaludes forever. Sorry. Yes. 
May uh, they may they always <laughs> may they always pop in your belly. Yes, please. When, in a latent effect. Thank you. You love how with his films <clears throat> when he deals with crime and shit that mm-hmm. like there's always that criticism of him glorifying that lifestyle. It's like, did you watch right. the movie? Yeah. Like, do you understand that? Like, the whole time. It's yeah. like the whole movie is saying that. Like, yeah. do you see what these people are doing and right. getting away with? Yeah. Like, you should be angry. Yeah. These are pieces of shit. Right. No, it, and that, and that up, that's a criticism that's always baffled no, you me. You bring up a great point because even to this day, I have I've listened to other podcasts and people that get paid for criticism bring up this point. I. I completely disagree with that point that yeah. while this movie is glorifying this, it's there's a difference between glorifying and making, showing. you know, showing he, yes, he's making a film that is funny. It's fast paced, you know, but it's also, in my opinion, and I think in your guys's as well, it, it is not glorifying these characters. Like, I think that final scene of seeing Jordan Belfort and and what he's doing with his life now. It's like he got away with it. He got away with it. You should be mad about it. Like, we should not be happy. Like, obviously, like, when you're making the movie, like, yes, I was entertained during that movie. Okay? I can't deny that. But, like, at the same time, Marty is a smart enough filmmaker to, like, show you what this person was doing, why people were attracted to this person and ultimately what's become of him and what's become of our country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's genius filmmaking in my opinion. I agree. You know, some people don't even get on the nose stuff like Paul Verhoeven <laughs> satire. So right. thanks, well, thanks for, you know, talking that out guys. Yeah, Those were yeah, number three. Good picks. You know, um, Stacey, what do you got, man? Okay. I, I have a proposal. Yes. Does anybody else need drinks or pee? Yeah. Are we ready for break two? We'll be back. <laughs> Number three. All right, let's do this. Okay. And we're back. All right, Stacy. My number three. Yes, so sir. So this film, as we were talking earlier about the importance of films, I think this is one of the most important films of the decade, but it also happens to be one of the most rewatchable and enjoyable films of the decade, for me anyways. The Social Network. David Fincher. Nice pick. I rewatched this film for probably the fifth or sixth time this last week just to see how I felt about it because it's probably been a few years since I've watched it. And it is one of those movies you can't do anything else when that movie's on because it's just great scene after great scene after great scene. It is a perfect marriage of director, writer, and cast. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jesse Eisenberg's performance as... um, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the evil himself. Yes. His performance in the film is phenomenal. Like his little ticks and stuff. It's kind of disappointing that uh, the Batman vs Superman. They're just like, can you do that performance again, but worse? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, Social Network works on so many levels. It's it's visually absolutely beautiful. The score is phenomenal. Uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus yeah. Ross. So many just great scenes, and I think it's so indicative of like this decade not just Facebook, but Silicon Valley and how the billionaire billionaires are now mm-hmm. like the people who are coming up to be rich. Yep. And the only flaw in this film, and I'm curious if you guys think it's a flaw, is um, 
So the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and this is not a spoiler, this film's been out for 10 years and you know about, you know, Zuckerberg. If you haven't seen Social Network, what's, what Facebook? You, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys have Facebook? I, I do, but I don't use it. <laughs> I'm actually still on it because I use it as like a, I, I use it as like a business for like podcasts. And yeah. And I stuff. use it for weird film groups. That's, yeah. <laughs> I don't use it at I'm all. I'm a part of some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... The ending of the film, the film shows him being a dick through the whole film. Right. And there's this line of dialogue, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious how you guys feel about it. Rashida Jones' character. Right. And I think she does a good job in the film. Like, the purpose of her being in the film is basically to explain why Zuckerberg has to give all these people money. Like, he has to settle these cases because he's unlikable. Right. And throughout the film, they show that he is unlikable. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that he's unlikable, but there are times where he is meticulously just a dickhead. Right. He is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Bit of a man bitch. Right. The marketing of this movie, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's the boys choir singing Creep. Absolutely. As you just get these beautiful shots of the movie. One of my favorite trailers in general of yeah. all time. So, Since I've been alive. Anyway. From everything from the selling of this movie to the performance that is the anchor of this movie, mm-hmm. everything in the movie informs you that this guy is a dickhead. Right. And at the end, she gives him a pass of, I don't think you're an asshole. I think you're trying really hard to be an asshole. Right. And that's how the film ends with him mm-hmm. looking at the Facebook page of the girl, Rooney Mara, that he's pining after. And just him refreshing that page over and over, hoping that she will accept a friend request from him. Yeah. So, like, how do you guys feel about that in particular? Uh, me and Melanie were having a discussion about it, and I do think it's interesting, maybe forward-looking, especially with all these cases over the last right, 10 right. years of a bunch of privileged white dudes who got away with heinous shit because sure. as society, we just give them a pass. Right. Is that what this film is saying? Or is this a bad ending where we're excusing his behavior? Yeah. I think, um, what's interesting about that is I think at the time, um, when the movie came out, I would have had no thought about that ending. Like that's an ending to a, a great movie. Uh-huh. Um, I still think it's a great movie. It just missed my top 10. To be honest, the main reason I didn't put it in my top 10 is I wanted to give some shout-outs to some other films. And you knew and I, I would talk I knew about it. I you would talk about it. But it's like, it's it's there, right? It's a great movie. Um, but, like, I, I think when, when thinking of what's become even more of Mark Zuckerberg as a person, I, I do think that ending um, falls flat a little more... When, when looking at our day and age now um, because of some of the issues that have came up from, from how he's handled Facebook and how he's handled individuals' privacies and, and things of that nature. Mm. Um, so I, I do find it a, you know, I, this word I know is not any of our favorites, but a little bit problematic, that ending a little more than um, than it was at the time. So, so you don't think it was a forward-looking thing? You think that yeah. it's a... We're giving this guy a pass because yeah. he was the center of our film. Yeah, that that's my opinion. Mm. Anyway, what do you think? Um, so the thing is, um, I've actually disliked this film longer than I've liked it. 
Oh, wow. Um, okay. I like this. This is one of the films that uh, I hate this person, right? And I did not like this performance. I mean, like, it's not like not the performance itself. It's just like the movie. Like, like there's nothing I... For, how do I explain this? Like, it's like, why do I care about this person? Right? There's, there's nothing I should care about. Like, yeah, I understand the cultural significance of what's going on with... Um, and the, the timeline of how all this came about. Um, I guess a, another way I could put this is um, there was the Steve Jobs movie, not the Ashton Kutcher one, but the... The Jobs. Danny Boyle directed yeah, Danny one. Boyle one. Another movie Phenomenal I, film, in another my movie, opinion. Another movie I did not like. Because <laughs> I think it, there's a theme here. Uh, these are... Uh, both of these movies betray these people as, like, dicks. Mm-hmm. And um, now the varying levels of who's a dick for different reasons or for whatever um i guess that might be my one like disconnect with like what's going on in the world today whereas you know i know all of us are of similar age you're both a little older than me but at the same time facebook did not affect us the way it affects people now right and it did not affect i'm well and i will say that uh, there are like you know People may be in the boomer generation that Facebook is maybe more attached to now, but stuff. It is interesting to see how our, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, parents and even grandparents of mine have Facebook. Here's Um, here's something I think is interesting. So when I first got a Facebook account, it was like, it was in college, like near the beginning, like when I moved away for the first time. Uh, so that would have been what two thousand four, yeah, ish. Well, I want to say well, Facebook was not in two thousand four, was it? Yeah, two thousand four. Yes. <clears throat> okay. I so maybe think I, so. Did he invent it in like two thousand three, two thousand two? I think the beginning of the movies around then, because we're still in high school when he's in college, and he invents it in college, right? Um, by the way, it didn't get big till 2007 though. Yeah, it may have been 2005, but I want to say when I first started a Facebook, it was for my college email. Mm -hmm. It would not take any email that was not a college email. When did you guys first start Facebooks? 2009. That's what I remember. So a couple years after it like kind of picked up. I would actually, I, I think that's around when I started because I, over, over the last um, number of months, um, I've got uh, reminders of like, hey, this is your 10-year memory, memory and yeah. it's things I've seen when some of my first photos mm-hmm. I've had. So I would say anywhere from 10 to 11 years ago. For like, me. MySpace was still a popular thing when I started a Facebook. Yeah, yeah it was descent. It was, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. It was ending in 2009. Yeah. I, had, uh, I had my MySpace before I had Facebook. Personally. Yeah, me too. I had MySpace for a second. Okay. For me. Okay. But my, my, I guess my point is that I have changed my mind on this movie. Um, I have reevaluated it. Uh, I have not seen it in a little bit, though, I will say. Um, I bought it last year, finally. <laughs> I actually do not like the packaging on on the on the movie. There's a lot going on in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was actually one of the turnoffs from it, um, because I... I kept seeing it at, at, you know, used movie stores. You have to take a lot out to get to the but disc. I, at least for that, 
it's still in like a case. Like it does it, have it's, a case. It's That's got true. a. You right. get packaging like the freaking Alien quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck there's that. a there's a secured area for the disc. It's yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've I've changed my mind on the movie a little bit, but I mean, I I, I would have to revisit it to really flesh out my thoughts on it. But yeah, no, uh, I know I remember the score uh, quite a bit. Kurt Esner and Atticus Ross. Um, I think they did a really fantastic job. And I think that Jesse Eisenberg uh, did a really great job of betraying Mark Zuckerberg. And especially like if we're like looking at who he is now, I, I, I kind of take the ending is more of a sociopathic type of, of look where it's like, there's this person that, you know, went to college because it's a, it really is like a college movie sure. mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah. yeah. And then now we're seeing him now, and I'm like, okay, well, this person is, like, I don't think he ever expected to be at the place he's at, and so I think he's completely gone. Like, mm-hmm. one of all, like, that, I don't think he's much of a person anymore. Yeah. Or at least on public face mm-hmm. of who he is. Yeah. I don't think he... That makes sense to me. And yeah. so, I, and I, that's another reason why you can explain, like, how he was a dick the whole time in all these, in, the, in these parts of the movies. And it's it's still a person I don't like um, yeah. in real life. I don't hate I don't hate anybody. Um, I just I do not like him yeah. um, or how he acts interacts with other people. Um, and so I think that's another reason why I I, I kind of t- took this message. Maybe it was really surface level when I watched it because it's 2010, right? So it was much younger when it came right. out. Right, and like a lot of things, and, and, I, things things hit us differently uh, in different parts of our lives um i will say real quick like with me like fincher is is such a good filmmaker i may not have anything in common or understand jesse eisenberg's character fully but like i am so interested and invested in the filmmaking that like like you said it's an it's a very entertaining film and it's a very uh highly successfully directed film justin timberlake man justin timberlake is amazing in that movie. You're introduced to I mean, Ashley Johnson as, or not Ashley. What What's uh, the Fifty Shades? She's in Bigger Dakota. Splash. Dakota Johnson. Oh, yeah. And Suspiria, um, too. Yeah. Yep. So she's in uh, Social Network here. So Andrew Garfield. Her, Andrew her Garfield. ass um, yep. with the Stanford panties. That's right. Um, <laughs> Rooney Mara. She yep. wasn't a big deal before that right. movie came out. Yeah. Because um, I think that movie came out around the same time that Nightmare on Elm Street remake did. So it's like he found a bunch mm-hmm. of young actors. Um, the kid from Jurassic Park shows up in it. Josie, Joseph Manzello or whatever he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, it's a great cast of film. Army Hammer, who yeah. plays a dual role. Yeah, might be twin, the twin Winklevi. Yeah, the the Winklevi. Spoilers. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I I really like the Social Network, and I do think it is one of the most important films of the decade. And yeah, I could just watch this on a loop. The dialogue. If you would have created Facebook, you would have created Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Killer line. I, I will say that... Um, Sorkin. I, I did have a chance yeah. to... good writing. Yes, yeah. he is. Uh, I did have a chance to rewatch this, um, I don't know, it was a <clears> month, <throat> month and a half ago or so, and uh, it, it still held up for me um, quite well. So, I'm glad... Ventures had a good decade, right? Yeah. Was Benjamin you know, Button this decade? Gone Girl. No, Gone Girl was. Okay, because I don't like Gone Benjamin Girl. Button, but Benjamin, Gone Girl's awesome. Gone Girl, Girl's I think... Girl, the a, Dragon Tattoo's pretty good. Uh, I love both of those movies very much. Big fan of the original, though, more. Yeah. 
So that's a better Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. I will go with his more, but I enjoy the. I think the stylistically original. his is better, but I think right, and that's what story based. That's always what same boat. And uh, for me, I I've always been drawn to his style. So sure, I, uh, and I think Fincher. that was I think that was um, the thing that I liked most about Social mm-hmm. Network too, because sure. I like I like yeah. Fincher, so I'm gonna right. check out yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's an intoxicating film in that in that. Uh, we're looking at it that way. Which so. is awesome. Well, A- Alien 3, great movie. Great uh, great choice, man. Nathan, number what's two. your number two, man? Well, we just mentioned him in number two. Uh, at least one half of the characters in this movie. I think you know where I'm going. Um, number two is Call Me By Your Name. I look at Guadagnino, Army Hammer, and Timothy Chalamet. Uh, yes. This movie and book. I've read the book as well. Okay. Uh, is fucking amazing. Uh, every time I watch it, I cry. Every single time. I mean, and I've watched, I've shown this movie to so many people. Um, because uh, not really this. I don't really want to go into depth with like, but like the people I've dated in the past, mm-hmm. I've I've shown this movie. I know this is not a very. Like, it's pretty recent, but I mean. Sure. Uh, in the last few years, uh, it's always elicited an emotional response to me. It's a fantastic um, summer love story, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's highly relatable, uh, especially with people who've had relationships where they they have something that they can't have, and right. and it shows um, that unfolding. Um, really fantastic performances, especially um, help me out with the dad. Michael Schulberg. Yeah, uh, he's simple, a simple man. Yeah, simple man. Yeah, uh, he's also in a really great. He's also in uh, Shape, Shape of Water, Water, and he's in one more movie of that year, which is insane. Yeah, he he just he's quite prolific. He's in um, a serious man, correct? Yeah. Um, yes, uh, he was in three movies. Stuhlberg. That year. Michael Stuhlberg. Stuhlberg. He was mm-hmm. in three movies that year, which like, is insane. Yes, um, he was in Shape Shape of Water. Water Call me by, by your name. name, and he was in the Post. Or is that after? I'm sorry. Uh, post the same year, and is that Doctor Strange? That's that year too. Yeah. And Arrival. Arrival. That's, are, that's what I was thinking. Those are all around the same time. Uh, well, maybe. Anyway, my point is that uh, his his monologues are really great. Yeah. Um, and well, there's that, which is like, yeah, there's just so many amazing moments of this movie, and I know that some other people said they might want to mention it, right? Uh, yeah. So is this on your list? It did not make my 10, but I love this movie. You're so, a dickhead. This I is my number trash. two as well. Okay, oh, great. Very nice. I absolutely love this movie. I think it's the best love story of the decade. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, our cinematic experience with watching this film... I'm sorry I called you a dickhead. That was insensitive of me. You he called, he, look, if we're being honest, he's called me worse. This is true. The scene that you were talking about, Michael Stolberg's monologue, like, at the end... When he's talking about his, like, talking to his son about the nature of love and, like, how powerful it is that he had something like that with someone else that was so substantial. We were watching the movie in a theater, and in front of us was a row of a bunch of gay friends. And these were older men, men in their probably 50s or 60s, you'd say? And they were crying. Mm-hmm. And I was crying because it's like, not only is the scene beautiful, 
But then you have that audience experience of like, I bet they didn't have a dad to have that conversation with. Mm-hmm. And then that hit me on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And that's just a personal experience from the sure, film. Sure, sure, sure. But the film, as it's like on its own, I it is the best love story of the decade. It's a marvelous um, movie. The, the acting is phenomenal. I think it has one of the best uses of music in film oh, ever. Yeah, it's great. The psychedelic first scene. Sufjan Stevens, great stuff. Yeah. yeah. But the psychedelic the first song, yeah. like you see Army Hammer out there dancing yeah. and the way it's shot where he's watching him dance and you get that sense of just not even love, just like being Wanting. enraptured with some Want. someone else. Yeah. And it's shot so beautifully. I, I feel like this film, Bigger Splash is like this kind of like weird thriller, romanticized summer, summertime fun sort of movie. And Call Me By Your Name almost feels like an extension of Bigger Splash in that it, it has the summer aesthetic. You have a lot of the same colors and shots in the film, but it's romanticized. There's no cynicism to the film. Every conversation is something to hang on to. Every use of music, like you said, the two uh, uses of the Sufjan Stevens songs, mm. at that ending is a masterwork. That's a movie that you just sit there. Yeah. yeah and we sat through the entire credits. Man, even talking about this film now amongst <laughs> friends, like I'm kind of tearing up it because me too. I just think about the movie yeah. and like the impact it had on me. It's one of the beautiful works of art from the decade. If you can't shed tears amongst friends, who can you? That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie with all my heart. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the great works. No, yeah, you don't like um, this movie as much as us. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I yes, have you seen I, it eight times like me? I have not seen it eight <laughs> times. I've um, sadly only seen this movie once, but I did love it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Um, I think you guys both talked beautifully about it, and I have no um, negative things to say other than I think it's a beautiful movie. Absolutely. Great choice. Drafty. What about you? What's your yeah, what's two? your number two? All right. Um, so. Uh, my number two, and we talked about this, um, Stacy. Uh, the, these one and two for me are my definitive one and two, like they are for you. Um, so, like these two movies, or I don't know if I'll call it a movie, but it's a thing. I'll put it that way. Um, we can. We've had this discussion in the past. My number two is OJ Made in America. Oh, you picked a TV uh, show directed by Edra Edel- Edelman. Uh, I'm sorry, Ezra Edelman. I. I am a little gone right now. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a documentary um, from, I believe, this is 2016. Um, I think this is, personally for me, one of the most important pieces of filmmaking from the last 10 years. It is a long, drawn-out thing, um, but I think every single minute is important. Um, I think this has... Produced by ABC. Um Exactly. One of the most important uh, pieces of work that has dealt with um, ra- uh, race relations in the U.S. Of, over the last 30 years, more than anything else has ever tried to or achieved. Um, every single like minute is not wasted on understanding the life of O.J., understanding why, what, how things have happened in our country and, and where they are today. Um, and like 
the fallout from everything that happened in this. And, and I know it's probably weird to say all this from like this one person's experience and what happened to this one person. But I think when looking at it as a whole, it really sums up our country and, and the problems we have that exist still to this day when looking at OJ. And I think this, this I'm going to call it a film. I think this film does a great job of putting that all in perspective. And it's just like, man, it, it moves me like no other. I've seen, I will tell you, this comes in 10 episodes. Um, this is 467 minutes long, so it's a long piece. Um, as long as show up. Um, yes, um, but I have watched it in full twice, and it has moved me to great extents at both uh, points. And I, I think it's brilliant filmmaking. Um, I think it's as, as great as documentary filmmaking can be. And I think it's one of the most important films of the last 10 years for me. I don't know what you guys think of it, but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Can I just get my rippings out of the way? Yeah, it's ripping Before I yeah. praise? Yeah. Um, so you thought the decade was so bad that you had to put a TV show <laughs> as your number two. Utter shit, man. Um, no, I, at least I didn't put episode eight of like Twin Peaks The Return. Dude, I, somebody, <laughs> some critic put Twin what? Peaks The Return as their top movie. It's like, all right. Well, fine, like, then. I picked the Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's what, when we talk about this, I argue that stuff. I'm like, well, um, Game of Thrones season six, episode one, actually screened in theaters first. Is that a movie? And then he just gets mad at me. Um, but no, I, I definitely think that um, OJ is the best uh, thing produced for ABC television since Roseanne. And um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I'm just kidding. No, I, I actually like OJ a lot. I, um, I do. The movie, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I won't call it a movie. Um, I like Airplane. <laughs> I, I do. Airplane's a movie. Um, I, I do think that OJ is a, a TV special. But I do think that um, it is one of the most important things that has been um in the motion moving pictures um on screen in the last 10 years i agree with you in this um yeah i thought it was phenomenal have you seen it i have not that's all right and i know and uh it's on netflix right uh, i believe it's hulu. On, um hulu. hulu it's also on if you have access to espn i also own it on blu-ray if you ever want to borrow it so it's yeah, um, actually if i could borrow it on blu-ray yeah I would yeah, absolutely yeah like um i believe it aired as three parts, right. correct? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, I, I believe the originally they screened it to do the cheat thing where, like, if you screen a thing, Two you, weeks. Can, you can be eligible for Oscars. Right. And it did win the, so, best, the best documentary. It, yeah, it did screen so. at some festivals. And then they, um, they did show part one on ABC. And I think maybe part two is on ABC, but then they played the rest on ESPN. Um, and then they released a beautiful Blu-ray set of it. Sure, sure. It, it is absolutely phenomenal. As far as just, like, document documentarian, if you want to call it a film or TV series like I do, uh, it's one of the best of that form. And I want to make sure, and I say, like, it doesn't bother me. I know we joke about it, but it doesn't bother me that you call it a film, like, if it's a TV series to you. What's important to me is the impact. Mm -hmm. Right. And to me, I think it's it's so important that, I, in my opinion, I feel like every person in our country should watch it. Mm. I don't know if it will change you, 
but I think it's important. It's it's a cultural it's of cultural importance that I think that you should watch it to at least try to understand what has why we're in the situation we are in today. That's just sure my yeah. personal opinion. Um, that's I think that's why it's of such importance to me. And I'll be honest, like I I know like I don't know if this is the right thing to say or not, but like I find it highly entertaining. Like even though you're looking at like obviously like someone was murdered in the situation, like awful, awful things. Like it's also like, like I've said before, I've always been interested in procedurals, but like instead of entertaining, would you say engrossing? Engrossing. Sure. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I think that's a better way to look at that. Absolutely. Um, Um, but, and I don't mean to, to say that as like, like I'm not trying to be a gross person. I'm just saying like, I am, um, it, it's something that interests me, and I, I find it highly watchable. And it, yes, and, and I'm well. Oh, okay. By just to, uh, for a comparative, like uh, to make it simplified, like I think Silence of the Lambs is one of the most rewatchable movies, mm-hmm. but it is because mm-hmm. it's engrossing. You're not right. Like it is entertaining, but it's not like you're getting off on what Buffalo sure. Bill is Absolutely. doing. Yeah, no. you know, yeah, like, I, it's not that type. When of When I watch the thing, like I when I watch it, like obviously, like it's disgusting because of, of, of like he, he got off on something that I think he was guilty. He was for. guilty of. Right. And then if like, obviously he, en- yeah, he ends up being such a right complete, <laughs> like he ends up yeah. being a complete moron. They covered that. Yeah. To where he ends up going to jail anyway yeah. for a certain period of time. But like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with what you said. There. Yeah. Um, so just talking about the form itself, um, yeah. I do think this is exemplary of document documentary filmmaking or television mm-hmm. making right. um, of the time. Um, but speaking of other things, and I think that mm-hmm. we can agree, like active killing right. is something that hits a similar that note. Is, that uh, is, is smaller in scope. Absolutely. That That's a film that I wish... Um, yeah, again, more room I had, I had to room talk for. to. I, and we've, we've both seen the director's cut, which uh-huh. I have actually never seen the theatrical version no. but the i will say the director's cut is was longer but it's absolutely brilliant yeah, i think it's absolutely moving. it's one of our um best, best this it should be a, in the discussion right this has been a great decade for mm-hmm. documentaries sure. yeah um true. especially things with like streaming services that come along right yeah. you know you have netflix i just watched doing, american factory yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that yet. We both need to see it's that. A, yes. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, you know that, and it's shocking Streaming on Netflix. Yeah, and I, and I just came back from China. Yeah, which made it even more surreal for me. Sure. Um, because it's about, and I'm sure you know this is about uh, a Chinese company coming to America, reviving this industry, this auto industry. Yeah. For this particular factory, and yeah. bringing jobs back here, but also having that cultural dynamic. It's it's really fascinating. Yeah. Stuff. That's. So, that's one um, I will watch um, hopefully sometime in the next week because I would like to. Get I, that I in. try to watch all the nominated yeah. documentaries and anything that makes an impact. You know, because mm-hmm. we earlier this year we watched Apollo Eleven, sure. which um, was a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think this is one of the best decades for documentaries. Um, you have so many different uh, ways for people to get their film or message across uh, with the streaming services. You know, you have Netflix doing shows. Um, that are of this style, you know. Um, Gotta make a murder. 
Yeah, making right. a murderer and, and something even like podcast form mm-hmm. with serial. Right. That was a big um, thing this decade. Yeah, that was Absolutely. a big thing this decade. And I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. But you still get the things like you get Errol Morris, he came out yeah. with a few films yeah. this decade. Sure. And um, you know, you get more personal pieces like uh last year, Free Solo. That yeah. that was mm-hmm. one of my so favorite movies. That. I still want to see that. It, I think it yeah. is one of the most exhilarating it films. It's like watching the best set pieces from the Mission Impossible yeah. series um, just the whole time. Right, but we can't life. talk about yeah. documentary in also, real life um, without giving a shout out to Minding the Gap. Which yeah, Minding the Gap was brilliant. Yeah. Um, things like Project sorry. Nim. Um, there's all sorts of brilliant documentaries. Uh, you know, three cameras. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Camera Person by Kristen Johnson. Uh, another film that I thought about. Yeah, Camera Person. List. Yeah, that was a big oh, one. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, that was another big one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I would say this has been one of the best decades for documentaries. A lot of, a lot um, of stuff. Yeah. while while things. You're not getting like the revolution that you got, you know, in yeah. the '80s with like the the form. I feel like you have so many ways to deliver yeah. your message right. that, and these movies are seeing more critical acclaim and I probably more views. I would mm-hmm. imagine, yeah. especially with the streaming services. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last thing I I just want to say, and I don't know if I said this before, um, I could care less if you think of this as a film or a TV series. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is I want I I mostly like I love this piece of art, but I want to stress that I I hope everyone can watch this if you've never seen it because it's it's very easy to find access to this, mm-hmm. and I think it I just think it's an important uh just piece of um and I, I don't care if you call it film TV I don't care what you call it a piece of art that is um uh, important. For, for us as, as Americans, yes. So um, that's all. I would I agree I would with you? So. We on number one now. Number one. Because yes, your number two was called Call Me by, by Your name. name. All right. Are we ready for this, Nathan? Okay. A lot of a lot of number pressure here. Uno. So my number one is a personal favorite of mine. Um, also, I wrote about this movie in my seminar paper when I presented it for my master's. In communication uh, it's a movie that really hit me uh, because a month prior to this I had lost well uh, I got the news that I was going to lose my job at CD warehouse because of the record store that that's actually how Nolan and I know each other yeah. uh, I used to work at uh, this this loss of a physical place I miss that place dearly yeah, it's, it, there's so many memories involved with that store. Um, I, I came into that store later than a lot of the people mm-hmm. um, who uh, are our mutual friends. Yeah. But uh, there's, there's as a customer and also as an employee, I really, really uh, felt a home there. Mm-hmm. And so the movie that I'm talking about is A Ghost Story okay. with uh, Casey Affleck and Rudy Mara, directed by David Lowry. Um so David Lowry, he was going through some stuff when this movie was made. He was losing his father. Um, and he was prepping for that. Uh, and I, from what I remember, uh, the process of this film being made is they made this pretty much in secret. Nobody knew that they were making this movie. Uh, and they were making it in Texas. Uh, Rooney Mar and Casey Affleck worked together in Ain't Them Body Saints, another David Lowry picture. Right. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a fanboy of his because I really love Peace Dragon as well. Yeah. Peace Dragon rocks. And so yeah. um, I really like this director. Um, and But this particular film hit me on another level. It's one of those movies that I remember watching it at the Moxie and I was by myself uh, watching it. That's a, a theme of a lot of these movies is I think these... I, I really get emotionally attached when I'm alone. Okay. Um, especially in a, in a place where I can remove myself from my phone or wherever I'm at and then just be enveloped by what's mm-hmm. happening on, on screen. This particular uh, film is a lot about grief. Um, kind of in, shown on screen with like a pie scene right. in particular that is pretty infamous. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just really plays with temporal and spatial kind of connections with a pl- like a place uh, a, a place that has memories like every one of us has memories of of, uh, of home or uh, a memories of a specific house or apartment or car or mm-hmm. whatever object it is we we have connections to with to that and we have memories attached to it um, and those memories can be attached to people as well and so this movie is a really really cool meditation with a really goofy execution. Like, you know, like you have the setup of like, okay, this is Beetlejuice, Scooby-Doo-esque um, ghost with a bed sheet, right? And it's like, well, that's silly. <laughs> but then you see the execution uh, of this this movie and it's it's like, it's, it's wonderful. It's a good recreation of this silly concept that we, you know, evoke with uh, our minds and um, just really see um, that that longing and want of somebody or an entity that won't let go on top of the fact that you see um, all the years pass by um, in the movie as well for the place in particular that Casey Affleck's ghost attaches to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's a really brilliant scene in the movie where uh, he sees another ghost and they communicate with each other and several times mm-hmm. and True. like, man, I don't know. It just hit me in an otherworldly kind of way. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds really cliche, but like, I mean, just based on my own memories of my, my work, right. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I, I, I did my seminar paper on this. I, I did a ghost tour yeah. of each part of CD warehouse where I worked <clears throat> and I used um, Heigl, a German philosopher. I actually talked about the conception of Geist um, talking about places, uh, music, evoking spiritual connections mm-hmm. to memories that we attach ourselves sure. to. So I talked about memories involved with a place in time. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that year when that, that music came out. It's like, oh, I remember where I was. Mm-hmm. I remember the place I was at. I remember when I listened to those lyrics. Yeah. And so I I was really involved with that movie. And yeah, so yeah. like, it really it meant a lot to me. So yeah. ghost story. That's a great pick. It's a movie I, I enjoyed. Um, this I, I'll I'll share a, a small little story mm-hmm. with that as well. Like that movie hit me personally on an, on an emotional level as well. Now for a lot of people, you're probably gonna laugh at this, which is fine. <laughs> but um, the I scene had you, a pie once. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, the scene you talk about with um, as the years go by with that with with him as a ghost still right. there seeing. Everything passed by, right? Um, I had a thought about that a little bit while watching the movie. Um, because I was just, like, I have lost people in my life. But this is something different. Um, a pet. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I know this is sorry. Not Bear funny. with me here. <laughs> but I get very attached to my pets. Okay. I had lost a dog. Um, Brody was his name. Uh, a pug. And the house uh, I used to live in with my parents. Um, I don't, you know, I don't live with them anymore. But at the time, we buried him in our backyard. And I'm gone from that place now. And again, I know this may seem dumb, but a thought about that ran through my mind while seeing that scene. And obviously, again, this is a dog. I get it. I know. But just the thought of like, you know, what if, what if he's in that form? Just like thinking about all these years passing mm. by, right? And we're gone. <laughs> and it gets me, you know, a little bummed. <laughs> you shouldn't say just a dog. You know, like, yeah. I it, it, I prefer dogs to, sure. like, 90% yeah, of the I mean, population uh, of humans. Uh, they, they never let you down. That's true. Well, unless you, unless you tell them down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or unless they, they poop you know, on the floor. poop or pee on your things, which, you know. Humans which, do that, too. You know, Brody, that's, that's true, and that's yeah. even more disappointing. Well, I mean, I might go in the middle of the night and piss on... You know, some of Stacy's clothes tonight. If I feel the need, I don't know. I'm just I just hope you don't. dominance, <laughs> dominance. Hey, uh, it, it's it's in cats. It's in the movie cats. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, you know, he was one of my best friends. You know, and and I I think about things like that with that movie, and I had a, a strong emotional um, response to that movie. So I will you know, say this is a movie that like I liked when it when I watched it. I wasn't, like, overwhelmed with it. I was just like, yeah, that, that's a good movie. You know, I'm probably never going to think about it again. But hearing your passion about it, like, makes me interested to watch it again. Like, just hearing you being passionate about it, I don't know. That that hits me. Like, I, I think that's awesome that that movie affected you in that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellently well put, uh, Nathan. Uh, great choice. That's my number one. Very good. Yeah. Um, very good. All right. Um, I will continue the theme. This is my number one. Uh, this is a movie that also hits me emotionally, which is, which um, for me doesn't happen that often. Because you're um, the Grinch. I am. I have a, a dark. It's deep, the Grinch. Is a you, dark soul. You're, you're dead yeah. inside. It, you have a right. tiny little yeah. heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. My number one is, uh, we talked about it already a little bit, but uh, so it's kind of um, not a surprise here, Inside Lewin Davis, directed by the Coen brothers. Um, this is a movie, as we've discussed, I don't rewatch movies that often. This is a movie I usually watch about every year. Mm. Um, for me, it is my, it is up there with one of my favorite Coen brother movies. I'm not saying it's their best movie, but for me personally, it is one of my, it, it might be my personal favorite of theirs. Um, it's intensely rewatchable. It is very yeah, much, very much so. Um, think one thing I'll share on this podcast with everybody is um, I have dealt with anxiety and depression um, for a lot of my adult life. Um, when I watched this movie, it that depression really comes through in that movie, and for me, like I. Like, I don't know how to say it other than, like, I do get depressed when I watch the movie, but it's also a cathartic release for me. Um, Like, I feel for this character, and somehow, even though, like, we are completely different, I I don't know what it is exactly, but I I have some sort of connection with the melancholy that this character is going through. I think it helps with 
like it makes it a bigger thing that it's also like takes place mostly in the winter, which I think brings on that effect even more, a little more. Uh, I, I think the songs in this movie, like they move me greatly, but also like there's some that are just like a lot of fun, like outer space. Just, yeah. Intensely <laughs> funny. Space, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Great recording process. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it cracks me up. Like, no, they're obviously the Coens always have like this sense of humor that like, I just connect with, like, mm-hmm. you know, they make me laugh. Um, I think the first, if I remember right, the first song in the movie is Hang Me, Oh Hang Me, which just destroys me almost every time yeah. I watch it. And then the other thing I want to really, it, I could talk about a lot of things this movie, but we're going to hold off some of that because we've been going on for quite a while. But one thing I would like to really talk about this movie, and, and something I've thought about the more times I watch this movie, is the relationship of the Coen brothers themselves. So we have Lewin, our main character, and he was in a group with another man, correct? At, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. We, we find out early on that that person has committed suicide. They're no longer with us, right? And this this man who was a duo is now by himself trying to go out and find a path for him to continue his music career um, through through possibly we find a, a music that is before its time, correct? Which which this doesn't matter so much. But just the point that he's going on by himself without his partner. I think a lot about the Coens themselves. And it, it, to me, it had to be a point for them when they made this movie. These these are two brothers, and they've and through their filmography, they have always been together, right? And worked on every movie together. Not not everything is quote unquote directed by both, but they are both there working on every movie mm-hmm. together. Produced, written. And I had to think through this movie, one of them believes that they will die. In reality, one will die before the other. Yeah. Now, we don't know when that'll be. They might be both very old, not working on film anymore. But the reality is you know, a possibility anyway, I'll put it that way, that one of them could die while they're still working. Or what like what what will happen to them if one of them does leave? What will that mean to their uh, as they continue to go and make their art? Um what would what will that do to them personally, right? And I have a I just like that brings the sadness even more for me when I think about it that way is like how how will you continue to make art when you've lost a partner that you've worked with your whole life? Again, I hope that never happens to them, but I but I can't deny that I think that is something that is clearly on their mind through this film, and I think that just adds to the sadness and the melancholy that I feel while watching this movie. I think it's a brilliant movie. It's one of my favorites. I I every time I watch it, I I find myself um like. Finding more depth. Um, Lewin is a character that's like, what's strange about him is like, you know, he's perceived as a loser, but he's a very talented person. And like what it does at the end of the film, which is actually the beginning, if you look at it that way, but like, right, mm-hmm. um, is right after his performance, you know, what, you know, Bob Dylan comes on stage, right? And like, he's doing the same sort of music in the movie that Lewin was doing. And it's like, he makes it. Lewin doesn't. Like, Lewin just, he was ahead of his time, right? And it, I, I find it depressing 
but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a phenomenal <laughs> film. Um, I, I think it could also be seen as a, like a relatable thing if you take it to like a small world thing of just a simple like idea of like, you know, you work harder than someone else, mm-hmm. but somebody else gets the promotion before you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, by the end of that just film. Don't lose, just don't lose the cat, man. Yeah, don't <laughs> lose the cat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we can all agree that like with this film, like Oscar Isaacs is a freaking superstar and you want to see everything he does. Yeah. Even if he's in, you know, like a bad Star Wars film. It's still Oscar Isaacs. Yeah. yeah. And you root for him. Yeah. Like, he is a very likable, charismatic dude that you just want to see in more movies. Yeah. And I think this performance is what launched that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this movie. I, I do think it's, like, for me, it is up there with, like, Serious Man and, uh, you know, No Country and such mm-hmm. for, like, some of their better films. Yeah. Speaking of Oscar Isaac, and I don't want to, I don't know what your, your number, what your number one is. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, he does phenomenal work in, throughout the decade. Yeah. Especially, and even if he's, like, minimal in Annihilation, right? Or if he, like, plays a, plays a really great role in Ex Machina as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. Ex Machina. That, that was another one that made the short list. I will say this. At no point ever have I thought Oscar Isaacs did a bad job. Yeah, he, he's a great actor. Yeah. In, in fact, many times he elevates films. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, to finish off, I'll just say, like, you know, it's it's my number one because of what it does to me personally. And what, like, it's hard for me because I, I don't typically have a, a strong emotional response to something. But when I do, I pay attention and I know it's there for a reason. And whatever it is, it continues to bring me back to this movie. And every time I watch it, I just, I fall in love with it as much as I have the first time I watched it. So. Highly rewatchable for that. Yeah. Which yeah. is really rare. So, that's my number one. Coen's are really good at making rewatchable films. That they are. That they are. Except for Hail Caesar. It's okay. Yeah, that movie's not too good. It's okay. Yeah, it's... Eh. Channing Tatum's fun. Yeah. Channing Tatum. Young. There's some good musical numbers in it. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy, what do you got for number one? So, man? I assume you saved my number one for last because we, we all know it's just the best film of the decade. There you go. Mad Max Fury Road, George nice. Miller, nice. 2015. This film is Speaking not of old men. Yeah, so <laughs> going to themes of Wolf of Wall Street, old men with energy, George Miller made one of the greatest action epics. How old was he? Mid-70s? Yeah. And he is doing things on in camera, not special effects, in camera that have never been done before. This film is a masterpiece. Um, I I think this film was freaking robbed at the Oscars. I think it's one of the best films ever made. I kind of go back and forth on like this and Road Warrior for which is better. Um, this is probably the better movie, but I do really enjoy Road Warrior. Um, everything from like freaking was it Junkie XXL or whatever? Who is that composer? Is it? It's Junkie something. Yes, I don't. I remember the name, but I know what you speak of. I love the freaking music in this movie. Um, The action scenes are phenomenal. But just taking it from, like, a storytelling point, and I think this is a film, like, people don't talk about how good the storytelling is in this film, but you have a very simple concept of there is a dictator 
who is telling women, like, this is what you have to do with your bodies and such. Mm-hmm. And Furiosa is there to liberate them. And Mad Max is along for the journey to help him there. Right. And you don't need a bit of dialogue to tell this story. Everything is done visually, which that is what the format's about. Like, this is visual storytelling at its finest. This is a film that at any moment, at any time of the day, if you said, you watch Fury Road, I'm down. In fact, I've joked many times at the end of a night, you guys just want to watch Fury Road? It's somewhat of a joke, but I do mean it sincerely. In fact, there was a time this last year where I said that, and you guys were like, okay, yeah, let's watch it. And, and we watched it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, on, on fifth viewing, this film is still fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And this is a film that I was not excited about. I hated the trailers for this movie. And I was like, ah, it's just like, it, it was like the sandstorm, the tornado in the sand. I was like, ah, it looks kind of CGI-ish. I don't know. It's not Road Warrior. There's not Mel Gibson. Like, this isn't my Mad Max. You know, and then, uh, what was it? Me, you, and Steven. We went We went to uh, the Bass Pro Buffet. What was it? Hemingway's. Hemingway's. Yes. We, we got a big breakfast, and we're like, we're going to watch Free Road. It was the Sunday brunch version. So, like, all the desserts as well. Yeah. And we watched it opening weekend. <laughs> and I just sat there. Just freaking, the film just washed over me like a religious experience. Well, this is and, religion in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like your mouth feels so dry because of all the sand. And you're just watching this beautiful work of art. And yeah, I it is a religious experience. Like, to me, this movie is perfection. Perfection in cinema. Uh, I don't Sandema. Know, Sandema. <laughs> nice. I, I, do you guys like this movie? Love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. have you ever met anybody that said they didn't love Fury Road? I have personally not. I have. Oh, okay. I don't really know who they are because I, <laughs> I immediately got them out of my yeah. Um, but no, yeah, that movie is it's great. Yeah, it, uh, it's a very good movie. And I know it's cliche to talk about, but man, that guy on a guitar. Yeah. Is fucking sick. fire guitar forever. Yeah, right? that guy's awesome. Yeah. Um, all the set pieces, and it is not an emotional movie. This is not Call Me By Your Name, right? No. But the scene after they they escape the bandits on the dirt bikes, where you get the excellent scores playing, um, they just rip these guys off for the gas because the um, you know Barter Town or whatever is behind them. You know, and they're coming in. I guess Gas Town. Gas That's Town. what it's called. Mm-hmm. Gas Town. Barter yep. Town's from uh, yep. the third film. Yeah. Um. So uh, Gas Town's behind them, coming in, and they escape. And the dirt bike dudes are riding in, dropping the freaking Molotovs on them. Mm-hmm. That scene is just perfection for me. The music, the staging of the action scenes, and the fact that everything is done in camera. Right. I love this movie so much. And it's not like there's a... The performances are great, but they're not great in the way that, like, Call Me By Your Name or Social Network are. It's silence. Yep. The fact that this film can work as a silent film, I think, is a testament to how strong of a visual storytelling piece it is. You do not need sound. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, You know, I I agree with everything you said. Um... Uh, with me being someone who is so 
always I've always been interested in the image. I agree with you hundred percent. Like this this as you said, there could be no words spoken in this. Um it plays like you could play it like some of our best silent films we ever had. Where yeah. And you, you get the story. The you understand everything that exactly is happening. Visual storytelling is best, absolutely. And and that's the thing. Like you can you can't watch it like that because everything that needs to be provided mm-hmm. is provided visually. You you get the scene where Emote and Joe walks into the room and you see scrawled across the wall as they leave. It's um we like our children are not like property or whatever mm-hmm. or it, it something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And like you know what's happening. You know that these women belong to him, but they are being liberated. And it's like how can you not get behind that? You know, from a storytelling aspect, you know that these women are being used as cattle. And it's like you're instantly invested in their liberation. Yeah. Yep. And the fact that like Mad Max is the secondary character. A secondary and character. That's what I was gonna say mm-hmm. is that yeah, it's it's a dynamic shift that like it, I think the thing that I like most about this movie is that as somebody who had not seen the Mad Max movies before, I probably had I probably have seen with my dad maybe moments of those movies. Yeah. But I don't remember them. Have um, you rectified that? Yeah, of course. Um, but <laughs> how many of the people I know who have seen this movie who haven't seen the other ones no, that are on board yeah. with this right, movie yeah. and they're like, yeah, I love this movie. And you don't need to really know much about like, like, yeah. oh yeah, what's that flashback of, you know, the, yeah. you know, getting ran over. Yeah. It, it does like, a good like, job. I think early on in the movie and we, we see this, as you said, like flashbacks about the film of like some of his past, um, uh, Failures. Failures, yeah. Like, like you know, he he didn't save these people. That's really all you need to know from this character. That, yeah. Uh, the entire character is built on the idea that he couldn't save his family. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, a, it's a nice premise enough to where I think it sells it for a lot of people who have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And so I think um, that's what sold it to me initially. And then, yeah, of course, I went back and I watched the other three. So yep. and I have them on uh, Shout Factory. Nice. Uh, great pick, man. The fact that like a massive studio action film can work as like art house, beautiful high art. Yep. It's cinematic perfection to me. It's a great movie. So in closing, the decade was pretty good, except for Nolan, who liked t- television more than cinema. Praises to the TV gods. Praise, praise be. I think Game of Thrones was mostly good. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. I'm reading it right now. Nice. I'm in the second book. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. I want to say that, like, I don't know how you guys felt, but um, I enjoyed everyone's picks here. I thought, um, like, there wasn't a movie that anyone mentioned that I flat out hate. I think that um, we all had it. I think we all had very nice, diverse lists. Um, that's a great thing about... Decade list is there's so many movies she's from and art hits people different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So like you know, that's a great thing. Quick question. Yes. Did you purposely dodge some films because you knew I would talk about them? I definitely did on social network. Yeah. <laughs> um I will say there are 
there are others that I that you've listed that I love. Um, I just there are. I think obviously, like we talked about, it's just a matter of preference as far as like some favorites as put. Like if you're asking me, as like Mad Max, one of the best directed and best made films of the decade. Yeah, just personally, it's not one of my. No, I I just know yeah. that yeah. I'm easy to like figure out because I talk about the movies I care about sure. all yeah. the time. No, absolutely. Um, like I said before, I knew Social Network would be in your top 10 and that was an easy one for me that's a movie i love that i knew like i'll let stacy talk about this one um you know but uh yeah and I, yeah i, I love both your guys's choices and uh i think we had a lot of fun and diverse um uh, picks i think we covered the decade and how we we, we tried our best meow. yeah meow meow that's right the most important film of the decade is Cats. Cats. Yeah, go, go check that movie out. Uh, seriously. How about that? <laughs> but watch it with friends. Don't watch it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My one warning. Brilliant. Uh, with that being said, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on again. This is Yes, absolutely. Um, we'll have you on again, obviously. Um, you're a... Uh, we'll just put it this way. Anytime you want to join us, you're welcome to. Because um, you are a great guest. Thank we you. enjoy talking with you. Um uh, before we get out of here, I want to say uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, you can find us at Cinema Parlor um, on Twitter. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, you can find us also on SoundCloud. Um, the more that you rate and review us, maybe the better it is for us. Even if you hate us, give us a better review. I don't care. It'd be great if you gave us a good review, but if you give us a bad review, I don't care. Just give us some ratings. If you disagree with Nolan about television... Tell me how wrong I am about OJ. Yeah. You know, there you go. Um, tell me how wrong I am about, you know, thinking that Twin Peaks The Return is not a movie. There you go. So, tell us. <laughs> you, you know, there's a lot you could say, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can find us there. Like I said, follow us on uh, Twitter at Cinema Parlor. You can find me personally at Chuck Madden Jr. on Letterboxd. Esclover84 on Letterboxd. Nathan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Nathan Jones. So please uh, look up Nathan Jones, the movie reviewer. Otherwise, you will find the Australian wrestler uh, who is also in Mad Max <laughs> Fury Road, Nathan Jones. Nice. He is Woo! The, uh, How about that right he's there? He's the big man. He's the number two. Oh! Yeah. I had a brother! That's great. Yeah. He was beautiful in every way. Yeah, that's Nathan Jones. What an ending right there. That's great. Uh, <laughs> real quick, I'd, I'd love, I would love to give a shout out to our uh, producer and our editor, Melanie. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Plastic Werewolf. Um, she does a great job uh, with our show I and not, uh, puts up with us. I so. do not envy the job she has ahead of her yeah, for this three and a half hour so podcast. We are very sorry. Sweet. Tarantino um, movie. We're almost <laughs> as long as the Irishman. Yeah, well, you know, we had it on the background the whole time. I'd like to say our CGI would probably be better. There you go. Um, you know, he's going to take shots at it, whatever. It's a great movie. Um, he's an old man. You know, I mean, I'm just going to say if you're going to have a Marvel studio sized budget, maybe, you know, Irishman for life. Well, yeah, I'm part Irish. There you go. This has been fun, guys. Thanks for doing this. I do like the Irishman more than Boondock Saints. Oh my god. That doesn't mean anything. That movie sucks. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.